You're listening to The Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema with Big Willie and the Samurai, bringing class to trash since Okay, welcome back. It's been a while. Uh, this is the Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema. I came in with very little energy, it seems, there, and I apologize for that. Uh, I wanted to come in with something, um, you know, a little more uh, up-tempo, but uh, that's the way it goes. You gotta say, you gotta, rock, you gotta say uh, rockin' and rollin'. Rockin' and rollin'. Lots of fucking, <laughs> lots of bush. Yeah, yeah, open with that, and that'll... Yeah. Uh... Ooh, literally. <laughs> yeah. That'll retain or uh, uh, deter many listeners. With that. Yes, and if I mention the word speculum, <laughs> might do the same. Yeah. All right, so we are in for a treat this week, uh, ladies and gents. This is going to be the first of two episodes coming to you. Uh, we had some recording snafus. It's Groundhog. Fittingly, it's Groundhog Day, and it's our Groundhog Day. Um, Kind of just, you know, getting things ironed out from a scheduling perspective. We are going to be talking about in episode 365, which means you can spend every day of the year listening to The Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema. Uh, episode 365 is brought to you by Arrow Video, and we're going to be going over their wonderful um, Black Cats uh, box set that was put out, which yes. has Your Voices a Locked Room, and only I have the key, as well as uh, Mr. Fulci's Black Cat. So yes. we'll be getting into those, I think. Uh, Which I'd never seen. I'd never seen the Fulci one. Yeah, no, nor had I. I thought it was um, the psychic. Yeah, yeah. I, I was curious about there. that. I was curious if you'd seen this because I remember yeah. we talked about that. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, Vice is a locked room is one we had both seen. And oddly enough, I had um, mixed it up with something else, but I had seen it because anyway, we'll get into all of that. Um, mm. So this is 365. We're deep in the throes of cram. Sammy, what have you been cramming other than uh, foreign objects? <laughs> other, than, other than this rice I'm eating right now. Yeah. Like a, a fortune cookie action. And, um, uh, some some gloss, some raisins covered in pancake batter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah you, you saw my post. <laughs> yes. Amazing. Hey, you know. Yeah, you know, I'm just trying to help a guy out, you know. Yeah. We've all right. been there. We've all been there. Yeah. Well, 
You know who you are, Bryn. We've all been there. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, not a whole lot. I, I checked out. Uh, did I talk about Sicario? I think I didn't because it's been. No, we just spoke on the air. Yeah, about it. So yeah, I did watch Sicario. That was really good. Um, I mean, not great. I agree with you. It's not great. It's not as good as Enemy, which I liked last year a lot. I think it was mm-hmm. my number one movie. And uh, maybe a little bit better than Prisoners. Maybe or at least that's like I said more rewatchable than that. So, uh, but you know, some parts of it I didn't care for. Some parts of it I liked a lot. Um. Some things, like like you said, some things were convenient. Some things were too convenient. Uh, I, you know, I don't know. I liked uh, a good portion of it. Uh, you know, I don't. Uh, Brolin it, was great. Yeah, I, I like all the acting. Uh, it was good. Um, I just there's some weird moments in it. And stuff yeah. I don't want to get into detail and stuff unless we ever you know review it or something like that. But just some weird moments. I mean, it is it is a gorgeous looking movie though. It, it is. is it is a good one. It is a good one. I don't know if it'll make my top thirty or not. It might. It might sneak in there. Uh, other than that, I really haven't watched much, man. I I can't think of anything else. If I watched anything else, that might be it. Just think I watch movies for show. I'm working on something right now, but I don't want to talk about it right now. But I think it's it. I've watched Maybe. a lot. <laughs> I've watched yeah. a lot because it's been two weeks. Again, I don't have my list in front of me, so yes, that's probably there might be something I'm missing. So I apologize, but I'll, I'll get back to it. Um. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, so, yeah, Cram is in full effect here. We got about a month, right, basically before our year end. So. Yeah. it's it, For me, it's going to be a little rough this year just because of the timing, you know, baby and all that stuff. So yeah. won't be getting as much in this year as I'd like. But next year I'll be back at it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I've watched uh, a number of things, and I'm going to get to it here. I, I decide, you know, I try to, as you know, I try to really scour all parts of the globe and, I wanted to get into Timbuktu, which I'd heard some th- good things about, and it's it even got some buzz in sort of art house circles. Um, it is quite a good film. I would recommend people check it out. It, I, I'm always fascinated by seeing small, well, not even small, but um, just you know, kitchen sink kind of day to day life uh, in far flung parts of the world. I think it really allows me to appreciate other cultures and people, and, and see the universal aspects of of life. Uh, it's, it's been a great. That's one of the things I love about film is it's it's given me an appreciation for other cultures and how the other half lives. So uh, it's a good one, and I think it got nominated for an Oscar for best uh, foreign film. So for whatever that's worth, uh, it's deserved. Um, then I followed up with Thebe, T H E E is in boy, which um, has been on my radar for a couple of years. Our good friend Vishnu had seen this in t- a TIFF. He'd said it was uh, very much inspired by. So Giulioni and his operatic spaghetti westerns, and when you see it, you can see from the way it's shot that it, it does feel that way. It's about a young boy, a Bedouin, uh, kind of not a scout, but like a track, not even a tracker. He's a like a, a tour guide of sorts, or not even a tour guide. I'm stumbling around, but he's a young boy who's thrust into a pretty bad situation, I think, pre-World War One, um, And it's, it's quite good. Uh, next up was Faults, which... Um, I heard Mary Elizabeth Winstead puts in a good performance. It's a bit of a psychological thriller, a bit of a mind bender. Leela Norser in her hotel room, uh, cults, uh, solid stuff, solid stuff. Leela Norser's good. I like him. Um, decided I need to get over to Asia, you know, because I'm always trying to at least get some Asian films. And even if, sadly, Hong Kong's output isn't what it once was, but mm-hmm. uh, I needed to see SPL two. We've covered oh, SPL one yeah. on the show. 
That's right. <clears throat> um, I would say it's worth looking at for Cram. I, I don't, it's not as good as the first one for me. But um, in saying that, uh, it is quite good. Uh, it looks fantastic. Um, it's finally nice to see Wu Jing. And it's going to get Tony Jaws back in the mix. Simon Yam, Louis Koo. Louis Koo has the worst hair ever in it. Oh, nice. Oh, man. It's bad. worth a watch for that. That's bad. Simon Yam's great as always. Uh, Max Zhang, who I wasn't familiar with, is quite good in it. He's, he's one of the heavies. There's a really great inspired prison scene that you have has to have been uh, inspired by the the muddy scene in um, uh, the raid two. Raid two, yeah. yeah. So anyway, good stuff. Uh, it's you know if you like uh, Asian action film, I think it doesn't get much better than this uh, in some regards. Probably a little too much CG for me, but it's still quite good. Um, Next up was a Finnish one that I think was in the Vanguard program here last year uh, called They Have Escaped. It's about two troubled youth who escape from the, I guess, halfway home that they're staying in. It has a bit of a fairy tale kind of feel to it, uh, a bit of a road movie, a bit of a fairy tale. But it's very strange because do you remember the kind of hard, hard, hard left that To Be 20 took, that Italian DeLeo film? Yes, I do. I this, vividly remember it. <laughs> this takes maybe even a darker hard left turn. Ooh. Yeah, very strange. But it's it's still a good film. I don't know where it's going to fall from. I think this is a talented filmmaker. He's kind of get can't get out of his own way a little bit, but solid stuff. Uh, and and the, the the heavy stuff in it is is done quite well. Uh, next up was an Indian film called Court. It's um, less. Li- Oh, I almost choked there, man. Choking on a splinter. Less flamboyant um, uh, as, and less sort of high budget as some uh, Indian films uh, of the day. But it looks more at the absurd, broken judicial system uh, in India and about a man, a street performer, who gets tried for um, – there's some sort of law there that – because a sewer worker fell into a sewer and died, they were trying to try him for abetting the suicide because they had deduced that his songs uh, inspired the man to commit suicide. Oh, Despite, which sounds ridiculous, but then you got to think about the metal 80s. Yes, that's right. <laughs> that's <laughs> America right. was once just as ridiculous. Yeah, so it was a good film, though. Very good. Uh, next up was a family one. Teresa wanted to watch it, and the boys – well, more Teresa than, than anything, but we figured it was a good family one. Uh, she wanted to watch Tomorrowland, the Brad Bird film. Oh, yeah, George yeah, Clooney. yeah. That's right. I saw you saw that, yeah. Yeah, you know, this doesn't work for me, man. It was it was pretty messy. Um, it yeah, feels, I, I don't have any interest in it, so I'm just curious what you thought. I didn't either, really, but it was one of those ones. Clooney's always watchable. Um, you know, Brad Bird's got a good track record, too. Yeah, he does. You know, more with his animated stuff, I think, but um, – we did that one Mission Impossible, so yeah, which was solid. That was just, I've you know so as far as Mission Impossible films go, it was solid. Uh, this is okay. It's very messy. It feels like a very personal film to him that he couldn't didn't have the heart to cut uh, ruthlessly. Oh no, okay. Um, you know, created a world here that he'd probably been dreaming about since he was a boy. It felt very you know precious to him, very near to him. Wow. Um, there's a couple highlights, you know, in terms of scenes in the film, and you know, everyone acquits themselves well. I think Hugh Laurie is kind of the shit heel of the film and he's a good actor, but you know, it's, it's just, it's messy. It's, I don't know, kind of all over the place. They don't, I don't think they don't create a, a clear cohesive world in the way that he would have hoped. 
next up is one that I heard great things about. Um, it will be in my top 30, and I strongly recommend everyone crams it. It's a German film. It's called Phoenix. It's about a woman who uh, I believe she gets, and it was from the director of Barbara, which I've been meaning to see forever, and I know Scott Clickers is a big fan of. Same director and uh, lead actress. And uh, a woman is uh, disfigured in a bombing during World War II. And post-World War II, she gets uh, basically a, not a face transplant, but uh, she gets... Can you hear me chewing, by the way? Nope. Good. She gets uh, reconstructive surgery. Uh, she looks slightly similar, but they've given her sort of a different face. Uh, and then she ends up seeing her husband, who... She is or isn't. She isn't certain if he sold her out because she was Jewish uh, during World War II. Yeesh. So it's a lot about um, marriage, about uh, about a lot of things. I don't want to get into too much, but it's a, it's a solid, solid film, and it's on instant. No, oh, nice, nice. Yeah, so definitely worth your time. Uh, then I watched The Key, and I don't even remember what The Key is about now. Um, <laughs> See if you can remember the key about the key. What is the key? Any key things you can remember about the key? Uh, I'm just Googling it. <laughs> oh, man, that's not it at all. Uh, that's, that's that's sometimes the problem with the uh, cramming, too, is you watch so much stuff, sometimes you forget. You do. I, it it sounds, sounds like it's impossible, but it happens. Um, let me just see. Jeez, there's two films called The Key, and neither one of them are uh, ringing a bell. Well, I can tell you this. I'm going to guess by your reaction or your forgetfulness of it, this probably won't make your top 30. No, I put it, it's got like a 7.25, but um, it must have been. I a, should also let everybody know that I'm uh, ill, and that's another reason why we've had to postpone recording a little bit and uh, a few other things. So, you know, it's good times, good times. Good times. One day we'll be back on regular schedule. I, that's right. I'm positive of that. That's right. Um. I don't know. I, I got nothing when it comes to the key. Okay. Um, I'm looking through the list. Uh, yeah. Anyway. Um, then moving on from the key, which is a mystery film. I watched Mississippi Grind. Oh, I didn't know you watched that. Yeah, I've, yeah. I've been trying to get to that. Yeah, it's. I think it's up your alley. It's. Um, I don't know if it'll make your top 30. I don't know if it'll make mine. I'll say this. I think Ben Mendelsohn is the most underappreciated brilliantly talented actor working today. Mm -hmm. uh, he can do everything. He's a Gary Oldman, as I've probably said before. Uh, and I quite like, and I may be a, a, a national bias uh, and Deadpool aside, I quite like Ryan Reynolds. Um, this yeah. is very much California split. Reynolds stick does fatigue a little bit by the back end. He's not as good at, as, at the stick as Gould is, but then again, who was or is, yeah. Um, but it's it's good. It's it's you know it's not a great film, but uh, it's it's good. I um, guess the uh, directors of uh, A Little Bit of Sunshine or something like that. Thanks. I believe so. Yeah, I believe so. Um, next up was Best of Enemies, which uh, is about the. Oh, yes, I've seen this. The debates between Gore Vidal and uh, William F. Buckley, right? Uh, yes. During yes. the was it the '68 Republican convention? Mm-hmm. Uh, Vidal, you know, very famous sort of socialite, lefty, and Buckley, the right-wing champion. This is fantastic. Um, <laughs> there's some pretty good stuff in there. I think they could have plumbed the depths even more, but it's about 90 minutes long, and it kind of leaves you wanting more. So it doesn't feel yeah, slight. There's a lot of stuff there, yeah. There's a lot. They could have mined this, you know, for they could have turned this into like an HBO series, I think, 
You know. Yeah, they could actually. I'd, I'd be amazed if they didn't eventually turn it into like a dramatic series in a way because it's just so interesting to watch these two head these two very smart men. Very smart. <laughs> go at it, you know, and 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 even as smart as they are, lose their, you know, Can't get uh, their lose, way. yeah, kind of lose their uh, dignity at, at moments. Oh, there's <laughs> that one moment when Buckley really loses it. I know. <laughs> really. I know, which uh, you know haunted him the rest of his life, but it sure did. And 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 it, it's fantastic. Some of the illusions that Vidal made towards Bucky that must have really incensed them afterwards too. So. <laughs> yeah. I know, I know. Oh yeah. boy, it's it's it, it is really good. Like it's you know, their arguments were are entertaining. They're like not uncomfortable, entertaining, but they're yeah. entertaining. They are. It's when you see two people that are good speakers and they're intellectual and they're fierce about what they're talking about, it makes for great <laughs> viewing. Mm. I like too that an intellectual can say, uh, "I don't," you know, like they asked uh, Vidal about his magazine. He's like, "I don't really read that rag." Yes, <laughs> he calls a magazine. I'm like, oh, yeah. it's awesome when people that are higher educated come from, uh, you know, good backgrounds and stuff. Just hate something. <laughs> oh yeah, totally. <clears throat> Next up was a lunch film with moms, and uh, we decided to check out Forty Five Years. Nice. No, uh, no pretty peaches trilogy. No Mom, pretty, right? Well, you know what? It's funny you should mention that because there's a fucking awkward sex scene between Rampling and Tom Courtney in this. And I had to watch it with my mom, and it was so awkward. <laughs> you know, he like he 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 uh, he comes pretty fast, and yeah, you know, you they're know. grinding and stuff. They had had sex in a while. Yeah, and Tom Courtney's defense—he's getting up there, man. Yeah, big time, man. Big time, but uh, you know what? This is a good film, man. It's a good. It's very much a grown-up film. You know, about <coughs> an older couple. Obviously, the title. They've been married for forty-five years. Lots been made of Rampling's performance, but I do think she does put in a wonderful performance, as does Courtney. But it is a little more Rampling's piece than hers. Um, yeah, it's a good film, though. I mean, it's a grown-up film, and it, it was it was good stuff. It doesn't feel like Oscar bait. You know, it just feels like a good, quiet uh, film that doesn't try to. Be flashy. No superheroes, no superheroes, no, no superheroes. Uh, you know, don't you know, whiz bang <laughs> editing. It just it's a it's movie good about stuff. people. You say. A movie about people, and it's it's really fantastic. A lot of it rings true. It feels real. Yeah, so. It wasn't a blockbuster. What a surprise! Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> Sad, no but kidding. that's true. Yeah. Even adults don't go see adult movies anymore. I know, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, next up was a film that um, uh, I desperately tried to see before we did last year's show. Um, I couldn't see it. Uh, it was John Waters' number one film last year, and I decided. Oh even, yeah, yeah, yeah. Even though it was technically, I think released in VOD or some sort of format at the in December of 2014, Kino Lorber put it out in 2015. So I said, I'm fucking putting this on the list. It's a three, almost a four-hour uh, TV miniseries that was turned into basically a three or four, three and a half hour film. Uh, Lil Quinquin or Petit Quinquin, Petit Quinquin. Yeah, I remember uh, uh, every year I read John Waters' top ten list. So yeah, because he is he is fascinating. His movie taste is uh, very interesting. It is. He's uh, you and I have often talked about him off the air. You know, we both adore him. He's he's a fascinating person with great taste. Uh, Bruno Dumont, I hadn't, I'd been aware of him, but I hadn't seen any of his, any of his other work. And I guess if I had to, this is, this is a good piece of work. It's not going to be for everyone. It's very fucking absurd. It feels to me like as if Quentin Dupieux and Lars von Trier had a love child that was a police procedural. 
<laughs> so that, well, I can see why John Waters would like it. Yeah, yeah. It, Dumont uses non-actors, and that's a tightrope walk, but he does it brilliantly. Yeah, he's French, right? He's French. Yeah, these he's French, French. These French guys, they love to use non-actors, don't they? Yeah, they do. They do, but Lil Quinn. Or, first, or at least first-time actors. They love doing this stuff. They do. They sure do. <clears throat> so that's Lil oh, Quinn. Yeah, no Aid. No Aid does that in uh, Love, right? He does. First, first, and then, of course, in Boyd, he did that, too. I think the lead, I think he was a first-time actor. Yeah, I think so, man. Yeah. Right? You don't have to pay all that all kinds of money, right? Um, well, yeah, that, and you can get them to do stuff. That get them to show their cock. You know, and, yeah, an actor, you know, an actor with, a, you know, <laughs> a bit of narcissism probably wouldn't do. That's right, man. He's going to be <laughs> I'm not doing that. Yeah, that's right. And the I just Willis. let the cat. I let the cat out of the bag. I've watched about an hour and uh, twenty minutes of Love already. Oh, have you? How does it look on and blue? It looks good. It looks really good. And great uh, soundtrack, eh? Yeah, they're not going. You're not going to be able to get a, a high end actor to do that stuff. You might be able to get Willem Dafoe to do that. You get you get Dafoe you'd... and uh, <laughs> Charlotte Gainsbourg, maybe. But yeah, yeah, yeah. This is about you know maybe kid, people that are. It's about youth. It's about yeah, youth. It's about youth, you know. Yeah. It's about youth. Absolutely. And I'm sure we'll talk about that more. Yeah, no, for sure. Koi Roy. Um, next up is... Uh... <laughs> Koi Roy. Right. Hashtag. Hashtag. Next up is Hyena, one you had seen. It's very much comfort food to you and I. It's essentially... It's Actually, a... I hadn't seen this. This is one Zom had seen. Oh, man. Okay, you got to see this. Yeah. Modern Euro crime, basically. It's, it's fucking... It's, it's pusher three police procedural. Police kind of scummy cops... Yeah, I think Zom scummier villains <clears throat> and mentioned it or something. It's heavy stuff, uh, but I have not seen it yet. I think it's on Instagram, right? Yeah, I believe it yeah. is. I believe Maybe. it is. I, I think it is. I don't know. I'll check. Yeah. So hyena. Uh, next up, Hungry Hearts. Uh, decided to keep the H train rolling with a little Adam Driver, <laughs> Alba Rohrwacher uh, film, sort of a psychological thriller about a couple who has a baby and. Um, Does yeah. it look like the Adam Driver cat once it comes out? Oh, that, that is amazing. That Adam Driver cat is amazing. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's amazing. I usually don't comment on internet <laughs> internet things, but the Adam Driver cat is Adam amazing. Adam Driver cat's amazing. And Adam Driver's amazing. i got to give it up to him. I don't watch Gossip yeah, He's Girl, a good actor, man. He's nor good. have I ever watched it. But yeah. I think he's really talented. And I watched it with Teresa. And we both – and you, I'm telling you, if you watch this film, you're going to have major anxiety mm. because – they have a baby. Or somebody, somebody cutting their toenails too close or something? No, no, it's worse. It's like <laughs> no. this couple has a baby, and without blowing sort of the lid off it, they have very differing opinions on how to raise the baby. Yeesh. Uh, that's never good. And it is a thriller in that sense. And Ooh. <clears throat> a thriller in that sense, huh? Well, that's yeah. interesting. I had anxiety. My heart was pounding watching it. Um, it's a good film. Uh, it's not a world beater, but I think it's interesting. And the, from a craft standpoint, it's very well made. Nice. Uh, next up was I'm drawing a blank here. What is this? Oop, hang on. I can't stop thinking about Adam Driver cat now. Yeah, Adam Driver cat's amazing. <laughs> he is. Oh, Queen of the Earth. Oh yeah, this is uh, Elizabeth Moss, isn't right? Yeah, Elizabeth Moss, Catherine Waterston, Patrick Fugit, yeah. Alex Ross Perry. I'm still not on the Waterston train. No, uh, nor am I. I mean, she's good in this. <sighs> uh, she does. But, I mean, it, it, she's almost like Sam Worthington for me. She does like absolutely nothing. Yeah, no, her and Worthington. If they they are the equivalent. although I did like Worthington and 
that uh, Schwarzenegger movie. Oh, he's we fantastic both, in that. He's we both hated and like liked it at the same time. Piece of white trash scum. He's great in it. He's, no, he's good. good that, yeah. He's really good in that, actually. Yeah. Um, I'd like to see him do more of that kind of stuff. That'd oh, be nice. So would I. So would I. Queen of, <clears throat> you know, not Queen of the Earth. It's Queen of Earth. This again. Queen of Earth, yeah. This yeah. is kind of a... You're on uncertain kind of emotional and psychological footing. It's about two female friends who are at a lake house together and they kind of realize they've drifted apart and one's gone through something traumatic. Now, I had said it feels very much to me, and I meant this kind of half-jokingly, disparagingly, sort of like mumblecore Bergman, Mm -hmm. Um, but I'll say this about Perry. The characters in his films are these very sort of elitist... Um, and I'll just use hipster as a quick and easy. I'm not dismissive of hipsters because I like no, no, craft it's just beer. An, it's an easy, yeah, it's just an easy and thing. To you say. know what I mean when I say that? I like wear yeah. skinny jeans. I like cheese. Yeah. I mean, listen, yeah. I have a record collection, but yeah. if I say hipster, you know what I mean. Yeah, I like my I like my green tea with my you know yeah, with little old honey. school mom glasses. Yeah, that's right, man. That's right. <laughs> I had Braden wearing my mom's glasses. He put them. On. Yeah, yeah, man. I meant to I meant to comment on that. He, he reminded me of Teresa with those on, man. He really yeah, looks like Teresa. He does look like and, Teresa, man. He in totally the face, does. like I mean. Like it just because Teresa's got that profile pic with her glasses, right? Yes. And like it really just hit me. Oh, that's true, man. No, yeah, that's true. So make, make sure you tell her that. Uh, I will. Yeah, he really, he really looked like Teresa in that picture. Uh, I was he gonna... looked good with glasses, man. The kid looked good with glasses. Yeah. That's a good sign if he ever has to it wear is them. A good sign. Yeah. But I'm always worried because kids want to wear them. Like, man, you're gonna start bumping into things. You're gonna get headaches. Take those things off. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, yeah. I did you the know. same thing. I ended up wearing glasses, but I don't think that was why. But I used to like wear them too because everybody in my family had them. So. It's yeah. genetically, I inherited bad eyes. So I hope Touchwood. I don't have to. My mom does for reading, primarily. My oh, you guys should be okay for a while, anyway. Definitely. But Teresa's, yeah, we should be good for a while, hopefully. But anyway, Queen of Earth. I'll say this: it's beautifully shot. It has a dreamy kind of. Uh, I think um, I can't remember which film, what films that was sixteen millimeter or something or what it was, but it looks great and it's 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 shot really well and it, you kind of get the sense. I feel like if Perry. From a technical standpoint, I think he's ace. Mm-hmm. He makes shitty, unlikable characters. And I'm okay with that sometimes, but I just – his shitty, unlikable characters, I almost wanted – I don't want to be near them. So That's the same way I feel about Noah Baumbach films. Yeah, I guess that's probably a similar world, right? You know. Yeah. I mean I, I like his movies, but his people tend to be like shitty people. I don't want to be around them. Yeah, and that's just it. And Moss puts in a pretty good performance. She's pretty emotionally raw in it. Waterston's a little more cool and distant. Patrick Fugit's good in a smaller role. Um, oh, nice, a Patrick Fugit sighting. Yeah, he's good in it. He's good in it. Um, but, you know, I don't know how I feel about it. I think Perry's one that if I see he, – he's the kind of guy I think that based on the strength of this – and it probably won't make my top 30, but just based on how much I liked his, his craft of his filmmaking, I'll probably watch something else he does. I'll watch his other stuff, absolutely. Yeah, some people are really liking that one. I, I don't know. It just, it's not really on my radar. But No, I wouldn't see a need to cram it. I wouldn't see a need to. Um, next up was Horse Money. Which again yeah. was a film uh, <laughs> not to be confused with horse meat, which we were talking right. about before we went on the air. <laughs> horse meat could be the name of a great adult uh, porn film. Or didn't I just a porn adult a porn film? Yeah, the GGTMC presents horse meat. Yeah, that's right. Starring Doctor Zom. That's right, Cavallo Nero, man. So this one I had wanted to see at TIFF last year. Pedro Costa, Portuguese filmmaker. If I could describe, this is sort of a continuation of some of his characters and themes and the town he grew up in. And if I could describe it in one word, I would call it impenetrable. Mm. I just, I couldn't connect with this film. And I wanted to, because when you look at um, how his films are described, 
it just seems like it would just light my world on fire, but I just, I, they're just impenetrable for me. I, can't, I couldn't get, I kept fighting it and trying to really dig into the material and I just, I couldn't. That happens, that happens. I, I have a feeling, even though I like to, you know, and some others have liked Hard to Be a God quite a bit, uh, that's, that's, I'm, I'm not saying it'll be that way for you, but a lot of people are going to find it impenetrable. I mean, it's, 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 it's tough. Yeah, we'll have to see. I mean, that one's going to be watched before year end. There's about a dozen still that I'm really keen on seeing. That's one of them. Yeah, that's a three hour one. I can understand why you're kind of three hour tour, man. <laughs> yeah, well, but you did a three hour one this past week, so I yeah, did. Maybe. Uh, my mom loved Lo Quinn Quinn actually. Nice. And it really deconstructs the police procedural. And there's lines that are uttered in that that are so like they're uttered they're uttered in very straight faced, serious way. They're just so ridiculous, cliche. About evil being as vast as the ocean, and just you got to see it's it's pretty awesome. I, I can't evil really hide is my as love. Vast that as one. the ocean. Oh, it's great, man! And the one this oh, evil is so incomprehensible. It's almost like Brad Bird's Tomorrowland. Yeah, and impenetrable as <laughs> Pedro Costa's uh, horse money. <laughs> yeah, Pedro Costa's in Tomorrowland is. Uh, yeah, that's the horse money. That's right, man. Um, that's a shame. I kind of I kind of had high hopes for that. I like the title. I've read the description. Yeah, horse money sounded great, man. And you know, it's just mileage is going to vary. That's all. It, it yeah. just—it's too bad because it really seemed to work. You know, reflecting on youth and time and space and stuff. But you know, teach their own. Might have been when I, I was tired when I watched it. Maybe that's why. Who knows? Uh, next, uh, yeah, sometimes I don't—I don't always know about that. I mean, no, I, I, don't I, I know. Think about that. I know because, you're right. Yeah, because you know, you'll—you'll you'll be tired and you'll throw something on and something that's like really turns you on. You'll, it'll wake you up. It'll be like, whoa. Yeah, no, you're right. You know, I, I was give you that, that way. wham. You know, wake you up before you go go. That's right. Type feeling, right? So, oh, you're right. But but again, I I have watched like some big blockbusters before where I've been like kind of tired and been like, Ugh, and then go back and watch them like five years later and be like, man, this is really good. Why did I not like this the first time I watched this? And I'm okay with things being abstract. In fact, I really love that when a film does that because it allows me to chew on it and interpret it the way I do and bring my own emotional baggage to yeah. how I'm interpreting film. That's one of the great things about film, right, is – when you and I watched um, Antichrist, how we interpreted it was different than a lot of way. The way even like talking to my dad, he just got a completely different spin on it than I did. So, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. It just with this one, uh, just well, Enter the Void, same way. I mean, I, I know the, Void, uh, the yeah. show show guys, uh, Miles and Katie. Uh, Katie hated it. Did she? Yeah, and Miles, I think he was kind of lukewarm on it. So it happens. But it happens. I get that <clears throat> because it's just that kind of movie. Yeah. No, for sure. Uh, decided to go deep cut again. Uh, Japan. This one, I'd be curious to see. I don't know where it's going to land for me. It might make the top 30. It might not. It, it seems like it's up your alley. It seems like it's also up the silver and gold alley. It's called 100 Yen Love. It's about uh, a woman. She's divorced. She's early 30s. Um, she decides to take a boxing and uh nice nice yeah she, she becomes a boxer but i mean not in the sense that she's going to prize fights and stuff it's just more about her discovery and kind of latching on to something i like that i like that sounds, that does sound like something up my alley yeah you know a little bit of self-worth and you know <clears throat> good actress puts in a really great performance you know and, and she looks convincing by the end of the film and you know it's not and again it's it's a cliche it's not about the destination it's about the journey but it does really feel like that with this film so mm -hmm. I, I think it is up your alley for sure if you have a chance to see it 100 yen love i've been up the silver and gold alley a few times so yeah further down the block you went the <laughs> yeah the hotter it got the it was hotter it, got. <laughs> it was uh it was uh <laughs> We've all kind of been up there, unfortunately. Oh, not unfortunately. Fortunately, I consider myself a fortunate person to be in that alley. Yeah. <laughs> That's right, man. That's right. It's uh, 
It's a big alley. Forget Bradbury, man. It's even hotter than 451. <laughs> it's hot up that alley. Yeah. So it's more utopian than dystopian, too. But uh, anyway, uh, next up, I uh, wanted to go back to China. Mainland China has actually served me well despite my kind of lukewarm perceptions of how their film industry has gone. Uh, but I watched Monk Comes Down the Mountain. Uh, oh, wuxia. yeah, i heard about this. Kind of a wuxia film. It's, uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, Cage. Zhen uh, Cage, is it? Uh, I don't know, but I know I've heard of the uh, film. Some people have talked about it. Chen Cage, sorry, Chen Cage. Pretty, you know, pretty respected filmmaker. That's probably an understatement. He's, he's been, for all well, my concubine, he's been around. Um, this didn't really work for me. Uh, too much wires, too much CG. Felt like it was trying to be a Stephen Chow film. Um, mm. The lead graded on me. Um, this didn't work. I mean, it, it, it feels very much like populist wuxia. Mm. So, uh, you know. It is what it is. Uh, next up was another one with Moms. We watched Unexpected, which was a oh, yeah. Swanberg uh, jam. Uh, yeah, I saw you watch that. What's his name there? Not Joe Swanberg, the other Swanberg. Uh, Chris Swanberg. Um, so, yeah, this is about an inner city school teacher and one of her students, her graduating senior, who both end up uh, unexpectedly getting pregnant. They've sort of become friends. Uh, it's very much an indie. It's, I don't think it's – but here's what I'll say about this film. It's an indie film. It's not too cute for its own good. It's not too precocious for its own good. Uh, Colby Smulders plays the teacher and Gail Bean, young African-American actress, plays the student. Elizabeth McGovern plays Samantha, the, the Colby Smulders' mother. Uh, it's good. It feels pretty authentic, pretty honest. It's a pretty – you know, pretty uh, – it's sweet, but I think it earns – some of the sweet stuff, it's a little bit cute at times, but, um, you know, not, not cram-worthy. But again, I, 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 was, I had it on my list. I was with my mom and didn't feel like putting on uh, anything too wild, you know, even though she's pretty fair game. But, uh, yeah, yeah. you know, that's how it was. Uh, next <clears throat> up was one, I'm almost done here. Next up was one that I, you know, to be frank, uh, anything less than a sort of a top 10 or 15 finish for this, for my list, and I, I would, it, it sort of underperformed, and it's uh, Yorgos Lanthimos is the lobster. Yeah, Yorgos Lanthimos. Yorgos, man. Uh, <laughs> of course, the director of Dogtooth. Yes. This is uh, one I desperately wanted to see at TIFF this year. It just was playing on days I couldn't go. Um, it's very absurd. I, the older I get, the more I love absurdity in films. Europeans seem to do absurdity better than anyone, uh, between mm. Dupieux and... Dumont now and uh, Yorgos there, little Yorgi Bear. Uh, <laughs> Yorgi Bear. Yorgi Bear there, bye. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> um, it's, those that don't know, it's about people that are, it's a, it's very much a dystopian future in a very sort of kitchen sinky way. And people that are still single are sent to this hotel where they have a, a fixed amount of time to find a match. And if they don't, they're turned into an animal of their choosing. Interesting. Yeah, it's great, great, great uh, idea. I love the idea of it. It's got Leia Seydoux from Blue is the Warmest Color. Yeah. It's got Rachel Weiss, John mm -hmm. C. Riley, and one of my favorite actors that I think gets dismissed as being a pretty boy. I think you're a fan too, uh, Colin Farrell. 
Yeah, yeah, he's always dismissed that, but he always does. Yeah, he he's does interesting good, stuff. Man, he's a good actor. He had a chance to cash some checks and make some money when his name was really hot, and good on him for that. He's yeah. fantastic in this. He's fantastic. It's, it's good to hear. It's good to hear. I always, I always enjoy Colin Farrell. Yeah, me too, man. Me too. Uh, wanted to get into some more genre stuff. I'd heard about this. I want to say it was on my list last year, but I couldn't get my hands on it. So I finally tracked it down. Uh, CDR reminded me to watch it. Uh, it's Shrew's Nest. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's Spanish film it. set in the 50s uh, about a shut-in sister. And she's trying to keep her lid on, the lid on sort of her younger, her younger sister um, when an injured man shows up at their door. It's a little bit misery. Um, it's really good. Nice. It gets really fucking nasty at the back end. Really nice. nasty. So, yeah, good stuff. And the younger lead, who I think is like 18 or 19 in the film, she really looks like Tanny, our friend Tanny. Oh, oh okay. Yeah, I, I took a screenshot to send to her. I have to <laughs> tag her in it. Uh, two more. Uh, today, with again with my mom, over lunch, watched uh, Listen to Me, Marlon. Yeah, you know, I have a funny story about Listen to Me, Marlon. I watched about uh, half an hour or 45 minutes of that because like Showtime had like a free preview weekend oh. and I paused it and it was going to come back to it and the free preview weekend ended. So, <laughs> you know, I, I can't, I haven't been able to finish it, but I did love that first 45 minutes of it. Well, it's funny because I had to pause it after the first 45 minutes too, <clears> because <throat> I'm an old man and needed to nap. Hmm. So my kids, but it wasn't because it wasn't engaging. I felt the exact same way you did. I was absolutely riveted. I implore you. I'll give you the money to rent it. I feel that strong. <laughs> this, I won't hide. Well, I'm, I'm sure I'll like it quite a bit, yeah, because I like yeah. the first 45 minutes quite a bit. I love, uh, you know, as you've, I've always said, actors who are, well, I mean, it sounds exploitive to say it this way, but actors, people who are on another level of being, in my opinion, like Ron Brando, <clears throat> not that he was a great person. I'm talking about his talent was, it's it's something that you can't really describe. I mean, you can describe it, but it, it's, there's not there's actors like him don't come along all the time. No, so, very rarely, very. And, it, rarely. and the way he changed everything, you know. Of course, he became a joke, like they all do, like De Niro's Elvis and, and Pacino. Everybody becomes a joke. Yeah. But that's just po- that's because you're in popular culture. But you still got to look back at that beginning and you think to yourself, you know, where did this, you know, this tornado that came in and just changed everything, you know, out of any out of Nebraska of all places, you know, oh, Omaha, yeah. Nebraska. So. That's right. And it's pretty amazing when you hear his, you know, I've read his biography, the words, in his own words, a lot of that, a lot of that stuff that's in that documentary came from, uh, that, that, that's in the, uh, his biography that he wrote. I think it's called Songs My Mother Taught Me. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of that stuff's the same stuff, but he's still riveting stuff because, uh, you know, he doesn't hold back. He lets you know, you know, his feelings on his parents, his feelings on just about everything. Uh, uh, this is someone who, even even seen the documentary, just cherished and fought tooth and nail for his privacy uh, above all. So to hear and see this glimpse in, um, because those who don't know, it's just hours and hours of recordings that he had made of himself and it's interspersed with footage of films and stuff. It's, it's fascinating. It's, it's a tremendous piece of work. I think it's probably the best edited uh, film all year. Um, It's pretty, pretty well done. I have to say also those, those, those shots of his house now, yeah, pretty haunting stuff, you know, to think that you know, Marlon Brando, you know, lived there. You know, that's pretty crazy. Very much. <clears throat> I, I, would... I mean, I thought I thought Nicholson bought that house, but I wasn't sure because they live right next door to each other or mm. behind each other. So yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's sad. I I have to say, 
it gives me a little more appreciation for him. Now, they don't spend they don't drag his name through the mud. I'm sure he was difficult. I know he was difficult. Well, yeah, I mean, he, was, um, he, he could be a righteous asshole, but but I think there's a also human being too, yeah. a human being <laughs> who struggled with emotionally reconciling some things from his past. Was an yeah. honest artist. Was one of the most talented, yeah, one of the most talented actors to ever step in front of a screen. Um, and just like you said, just mesmerizing to listen to, to watch. Um, yeah, it, it, really good stuff. This will, de- I would say. You know, not to be, I won't be coy about it. It's, it's, it's going to be in the mix. Yeah. It's good yeah. stuff. Very good I stuff. I can see that. Um, finally, Cartel Land. Uh, it's on instant, uh, but the Mexican yeah. cartels. I did watch that. I don't know if I mentioned that before on the Fuck. show. I don't think I talked about it, but I have watched Cartel Land. It's yeah. Pretty, pretty good. It's not, I mean, it's not bad. I mean, I don't know if it'll make my top 30 or not, but it's, it's solid. It's worth a watch. It's, it's solid. Yeah. And it's, uh, but uh, just to be warned, you know, it's I'm heavy. Sure say this too. Yeah. It's heavy stuff. It's pretty graphic, dark. dark. Some people won't care, which I could see because it doesn't really affect some people, but it's really kind of just riveting to see, you know, how many innocents are caught up in, um, well, to put it bluntly, into into a capital a capitalistic uh, <laughs> world that is drug uh, drug uh, you know these drug uh, traffickers and stuff and uh, the way they kind of spread that across to the American side of things and it's pretty fascinating when you think about it that way and it's also one of those things where <clears throat> you know say what you will about the film but kudos to the filmmakers and the people involved in making it uh, for having the the nerve to really be in the thick of it. Yeah, that reminds me of uh, what was that one we watched? What was that one uh, that that uh, gorilla documentary from Netflix last year? Uh, oh, Virunga. Car- Virunga. Virunga, yeah, that one yeah. thought made me think the same thing. Like, you know, bravo to you to, for being there, but man, ooh, yeah. Or even in a more kind of a comedic way, the ambassador, the one with uh, what's his name, that oh, guy, the that Danish went over there. dude, yeah, yeah. Man. <laughs> which was just insane, you know, yeah. Bravo to you guys, but I mean, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly, exactly. It's uh, it's heavy stuff. So you know, you know, it, it's yeah, it's an admirable. Uh, yeah, effort. it's definitely worth a watch. I I recommend people check it out. Yeah, yeah well, for sure. Um, and that's it. That's where we're at. So there's two weeks worth. I've been jamming them in when I can, and it's like my uh, my youth jamming it in when yeah. I can. Yeah, that's right. So, down, down Silver and Gold Alley. That's right, man. Um, we're going to take a short break. Uh, we're going to come back and we're going to talk about what you want to talk about first. You want to go chronologically vice is a locked room first. Uh, sure. Yeah. We can All go. right. And we're back with some making her, I think her GGTMC debut. Maybe. Edvidge Fennec. Maybe. We'll be, I don't know. We'll be right That's back. That's interesting. Yeah. But. It is interesting. <laughs> we'll be right back. Are you tired of film podcasts where the hosts exist in a constant, blissful state of agreement? I mean, the main, the main characters are two of the dullest main characters I have ever encountered in any film. Well, you're in luck. Let me introduce you to Chinstroker and Punter. One is an ex-film student with a penchant for David Lynch and art cinema. The other is a man on the street. Listen in perplexed and horrified terror as we tear apart one film a week. Just really it's isn't. not visually striking. No. I'm just, just getting confirmation. It's just in, that's the third time though. I mean, I must, is this on? You can find us at chinstroker versus punter.podomatic.com. So come and share the victory. It's 
Film, who would it be and why? My answer is Lance Henriksen. Oh. He, he wouldn't tell. He looks like somebody. <laughs> he looks like somebody who can keep, keep a secret. Now, old Mr. Johnson had troubles of his own. He had a yellow cat. Who wouldn't leave his home? He tried and he tried to give the cat away. He gave it to a man going far, far away. But the cat came back the very next day. The cat came back. They thought he was the gunner, but the cat came back. He just couldn't stay away. Give me a meow, go. Now the man around the corner swore he'd kill the cat on sight. So he loaded up his shotgun with nails and dynamite. He waited and he waited for the cat to come around. Ninety-seven pieces of the man is all that they found. But you know, the cat came back the very next day. The cat came back. They thought he was a goner, but the cat came back. He just couldn't stay away. Give me a meow, go. So he gave it to a man going up in a balloon. He told him for to take it to the man. Okay, here we are. It's time for our first review of the episode. And uh, as we said before the jump... We're going to be covering 1981's The Black Cat, which is in a beautiful box set um, from Arrow. Uh, she's paired up with um, Your Vice is a Locked Room. So, um, yeah, uh, let me just talk about the set for a moment. Yes. Uh, it's a beautiful set. It's inspired pairing. Um, yes, I think it is, and I'll tell you why. Most people that are into these kind of films would that probably know your vice is locked room. Only I have the key. Although mm-hmm. in my utter shame, I'm going to admit this on the air. Cause you know, it's just the truth. I never really put the black cat in comparison, even though, you know, it's there. It's, it's all obvious. Over. Yeah, of course. <laughs> uh, I never really thought about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, uh, that's beside the point, but I like that they pair it with a Fulci film. That's underseen, uh, arguably Absolutely. underseen, at least by most, I, I would say, I would say I mean, neither I one of us it. had seen it and not to say we're, the authorities on Italian genre film, but I think we've both seen enough to say that if neither one of us had ever seen something, it's yeah, I would have pursued it. Yeah, you know, at the very least, and yeah. I never even, I never even, I mean, obviously, I'd probably look through his IMDb and stuff and probably saw it and everything, but I probably just thought, hey, you know, because it, it, they even mention it. I think Stephen Thrower mentions it on the the little piece about Fulci on the uh, on the disc that uh, it's kind of sandwiched between two of his more quote notorious. Unquote, yeah, gore classics. Yeah. Yes. Was City of the Living Dead and, and The Beyond? or? Yeah, 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 I believe it's between those two. Yeah. Which we covered both of those, right? So. Mm-hmm. It's funny, we've done a fair bit of Fulci, and I think both of us, in looking at his career, his early stuff has always been more diverse than people give him credit for, from mm-hmm. his Jolly, his Spaghetti Westerns are really quite solid. And yeah. his back We've done a lot of Fulci now. <laughs> we've done a lot of Fulci. Fulci lives in the GGTMC. Um, yeah, he really does, which is funny because I think when I told you when we started this thing that he wasn't always one of my favorite uh, of the no, Italian me neither. Actors. In fact, I felt a bit <clears throat> kind of annoyed that I felt like there was a disproportionate amount of praise heaped on him for some of his splatter stuff. But yeah. as we and in, on the show and away from the show have seen a lot of his other work, it's really given me an appreciation to say that he does yeah. deserve the praise because 
he, yeah, it's, it's kind of like the Ray Lovelock thing I said last week. Last week, if it's uh, you know, as time's gone on, I've come to really appreciate Fulci even more. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And you know, I think this might not be his finest hour. I think it's um, as it you has some. It has some of his. The, well, I'll get into. It. I'll, I'll wait till I talk yeah. about it. Yeah. But let's uh, let's say this is called the Black Cats, and it's got a wonderful, wonderful cover. The 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 art is. Uh, um, by Matthew Griffin. So, um, uh, you go ahead and go ahead and talk for a second. I got to mute. Yeah, I'm going to talk about some of the special features on here. So, uh, great commentary by Fangoria editor Chris Alexander. Um, Stephen Thrower, as you'd mentioned earlier, Sammy uh, speaks about um, from an, a special or a, uh, what's it called? Gosh, I'm drawing a blank. One of the um, features on this, from Poe to Fulci, the spirit of perverseness, uh, which is quite good. Um, one of the things Arrow does that is kind of fun sometimes is they do the look at the original Black Hat locations. Oh, yeah. yeah, um, yeah. I'm back, by the way. Cool. Uh, <laughs> one of my favorite things is when they go to the locations. You know, it's like the first special feature I go to. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. <laughs> one of the things, the thing I liked most, to be honest, um, on this was the Dagmar Lissander interview. Oh, yes, yes. That was really a fun interview. Yeah, yeah. I, I really did a lot of uh, Google semi-searching. Dagmar semi-searching. <laughs> yeah, that's dot semi-search for Dagmar. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, she has some nice things to say, some interesting things to say uh, about when the house, the, the room was on fire and the door was supposed to open one way and it didn't open that way. Um, yeah, she almost got seriously hurt or, or yeah. almost died. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Could have died, let's put it that way. Yeah. Now there's some archival footage uh, with David Warbeck on here as well in an interview. Um, it's pretty beat up, but again, I think in the interest of trying to get something from the lead in the film, you know, they really wanted to get whatever they could. And Warbeck, of course, and of course, unfortunately, uh, died early, I believe, from cancer. So yeah, um, he was a smoker, quite quite the smoker. smoker. But he uh, that's quite an extensive interview too, if I remember. It's like an hour. Yeah, change. it's quite long. And again, yeah. you know, it's a career retrospective interview, I believe. Yeah. And it's the same thing with Lysander, too. Like, they run through some key points in her filmography from her first her early work, which sounds great. Some of it, I wrote down a few of the titles, stuff I hadn't seen, right up on through. I think she talks about Bob, working with Bava, if memory serves. Um, and, you know, you're always going to hear us say this. And we're going to say it again. And we're always going to qualify it by saying you're always going to say this. But Arrow really gives a lot of love to this whole collection. And this is, you know, in a lot of ways, a kind of a forgotten middle-of-the-road Fulci film that isn't as well-crafted as some of his non-splattery stuff. It doesn't have the splatter and notoriety of some of his other stuff, but mm-hmm. they give it the same love they would have given any of his other work. Yeah, they give so, uh, you got a commentary from uh, Chris Alexander, the yeah, former, I had mentioned there, former yeah. Fangoria. Yeah, I didn't know if you mentioned it or not, but he doesn't work for, he doesn't do editor-in-chief work for Fangoria anymore. He's doing, he's kind of pursuing filmmaking career, oh, but that's right. Uh, his his uh, commentaries are good because he comes at it from a fan perspective. So they're, yeah, they're and a knowledgeable one at that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, because because contamination one's good too. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. Um, He's kind of of our generation though. You know, he rented a lot of those Italian splatter flicks growing up and stuff. So this is this is one. I obviously it's not a splatter flick. But. No, this is definitely not. But um, but it falls in between them, uh, and it's also dual format. Right, which is great, and we I've really come to appreciate the dual format when I can't finish the Blu-ray and I have to watch the DVD, I can take it to my computer or yeah. you know, something else, right? So it, it's coming handy, and 
it's region A and B as well as region one and two. Yes, that's nice. I mean, it's it, it's a great release. The yeah. whole set's a great release, which we'll talk about the other one too. But I mean, it's well worth the money. I mean, it, it was worth the money for me alone for uh, Vice. But oh yeah, yeah, and a fantastic. This is a nice book. little. Yeah, this is yeah. Oh yeah, the book's great too. Eighty pages. Although I had to put it away, it was laying next to where I, I read. Mm. I had to put it away because it's uh it's definitely an adults only uh, type of look back because there's some quite vivid uh, photography in there. There is, and I'll apologize on the air. I'm eating some, not eating, but I'm a little bit under the weather myself. Uh, my throat's a bit sore, so I'm having a Ricola. Yeah, Ricola. And I'll tell you what, I slept on Ricola for years. Not to digress, <laughs> they're so yeah. good. They're, like, they are, they're so good. They, <laughs> they're like the Chaka Khan of uh, cough yeah. candies. In that Chaka Khan's hotness is so underrated, and Ricola's <laughs> soothing abilities are so underrated. Yes. I agree. Um, but anyway, we're digressing here. But yeah, and um, Black Cat, um, you knew the one of us had known if we had seen it or not. Uh, it turns out neither one of us had. I kept mixing it up with Fulci's uh, The Psychic. The Psychic. Seven, yeah, 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 which we haven't done, right? Black, we haven't done that one. Which is strange because that also, I think, borrows heavily from this from the mm-hmm. same source material, the story by Poe, right? Which we should say, uh, did we say that yet? That this is, a ba- this is a riff on Poe's uh, original uh, story. This this one's probably the Vice is more of a riff. I think this one's more of a. I mean, it's a slight riff, but I think this one might be more of a devout kind of adaptation in some mm-hmm. ways. Yeah, exactly. But um, what's funny to bring it back to Mark Perel is Mark Perel is one of the leads in the Psychic. Oh, yes, that's true. I forgot about yeah. that. So it's kind of interesting. How <laughs> well, there works. you go. I, I have more familiarity with Mark Perel than I, than I thought I did. Yeah. Hey, last yeah. week I was just talking about how, or two weeks ago, or whatever, I was just talking about how I, I didn't really know, you know, I know Mark Perel, but I don't really know him for much. I, obviously, I know him more, more than I thought. Oh, for sure. No, for sure. But, um, yeah, that, I mean, there's more, psych, you know, there's the, the whole psychic aspect, but the reveal at the back end Kind of is very similar to one of the reveal, well, the reveal in this. It's got Jenny Tamburi, who I've always found hot. So anyway, um, she's the one that has the, and I'll never forget her for this, the muddy, um, the muddy scene in Torso. Yes. <laughs> Pretty sure that's her. Yeah. I think you might be right. I, I, I can't recall right off the top of my head, but uh, yeah, I think you might be right. But um, anyway. Um, to get back to this film, this is a film that, um, oh, and no, you know, another one that riffs on this is the Romero Argento film, which I'm not a fan of. Oh, Two Evil Eyes. Yeah. yeah. I really don't like Two Evil Eyes. Yeah. That one had a lot of promise, right? Because you're thinking, okay, Arrow, these are two, Argento, yeah, Harvey two heavy, yeah, two heavyweights. Yeah. And, uh, some good actors. They got good actors for it. I think Adrian Barbeau's in there. How, I think Hal Holbrook? No, not Hal Holbrook. Uh, Barbeau is though. Keitel is. It's like a creep show, I think. But, uh, Billy. somebody else is. Keitel, yeah. I remember he's over, he overacts a little bit. In, oh, yeah. He's <laughs> in, uh, one scene at a table, he, meow, meow, meow. You know? <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, that's, a, that's an unfortunate, uh, adaptation. Uh, there's some things I like about that, uh, little, uh, I guess it's an anthology in some ways. There's some moments, but it's it yeah it's it's a disappointment to say the least. Yeah. When, it, when you when you consider who they who, who it's coming from. That's right. That's yeah. right. 
this was shot in the UK, which, you know, you got to see sometimes from some of these Italian filmmakers, they wanted to get a different look. And I think when you're adapting Poe, it probably lends itself more of a feeling. Yeah. Right. To shoot in the UK. Yeah. Even though, even though it's weird because Poe is, you know, an American writer. Yeah. From old America and stuff, but his stuff really lends well to, uh, old English society. And the village is really nice. I mean, they, Stephen Thoreau goes to that, uh, village now and it still looks pretty much the same. Mm-hmm. It's really nice. I mean, uh, I always have these fantasies about living in a small village, you know, or the butcher, the local butcher. And that's like my dream life is to have enough money to retire to a small village where I never have to leave the village. You yeah. I mean? No, for sure, man. For sure. Um, but you know, they, they shoot in the UK and, um, I lost my train of thought out because I was thinking about the cat. They have this bizarre cat noise in this. It almost sounds like a jungle cat growling. This has, I'm going to say this now until I can think of another one. This has my favorite cat POV of all time. Yes. This cat yeah. POV is amazing. And the cat <laughs> I mean, POV is amazing because it leads. And this to is most... a killer cat movie. This is a cat slasher. It is, man. It is. This is like that, um, that segment in tales from the dark side with, um, Buster Poindexter, <laughs> yeah. man, yeah. David Johansson. Yeah. This is kind of fun. The thing I liked about it the most is it is basically kind of a slasher from an animal point of view. Yeah. And uh, the Fulci has fun, or at least the most Fulci-esque moments of the film are probably the POV stuff with the cats. Because the opening of this film is great. I mean, I think it's one of the best openings Fulci ever did. I don't think the film lives up to the first, like, five minutes of this movie ever again. But that's okay, uh, because the opening is amazing. The music's great. The cat walking along the, the rooftops. The car accident is fantastic. Well, I mean, the, I'm not trying to be laughing at it, but you know. Well, the car accident for me was the most improbable windshield <laughs> yeah. ejection slash car explosion yeah. in the history of cinema. Yeah. <laughs> I also love that you know this guy just keeps looking back at the cat, and the cat's like, Rrr. the cat is just yeah. No, it's true. Um, Patrick, but you know, you know, to be to be fair, you're driving down the road and you got a feral cat, or what you might think is a feral cat in the car. I mean, that could be bad news. Feral be, cats are well, it was bad news. You know, they're domesticated animals, I know, but a wild feral cat is a is something you don't want to tangle with. You don't. Um, you will not come away from that argument undamaged. No, this is true. Skin will be yeah, broken. I, you might win, but you will not come away from undamaged. I promise you that. <laughs> Speaking of tangled. Did we mention, I don't know, I have this weird recollection of you mentioning Patrick McGee having a huge schlong in real life. Was I don't know if you? he had one in real life. I know he had the, some magnificent eyebrows, but he I may have. I remember you talking one. about him having a huge cock or no, something. I don't, know. I don't know if it was him, but maybe maybe it was. Maybe another, it was. Another northern eye. Maybe we're thinking of Bryn because you know, McGee is northern Yeah, he, northern he, he tends to know quite a bit about the, the uh No, the, I meant maybe English, Bryn had uh, a big cock. The English members, so to speak. <laughs> <laughs> members only. Yeah, but, uh, I mean, well, you know, there's there's this you know whole catalog of actors who we we talk about sometimes because they're known to have these enormous, uh, you know, I mean, it's it's an inside joke, but it is funny because it becomes like Hollywood uh, Babylon or it becomes like gossip and stuff. And of course, a lot of these guys never show themselves. I mean, like Milton Burrow's the greatest, you know, that's, that's the great story. The, the great story are, is, yeah. you know, he had this this monster of a thing. Oh yeah, uh, and he never really confirmed nor denied that he did. Added to the myth, right? Yeah. <clears throat> a wise move. But this one, McGee aside, has a really, um, I don't want to say maybe an all-star cast, but it has a really serviceable yeah, that's a good one. sort of Euro cult cast with McGee, Mimsy Farmer, who 
you know, a lot of people adore. Um, she, I always think of her as being British, but she's born and raised in Chicago. Yeah, she um, did a few Italian films, right? Four Flies on Grey Velvet, she's fantastic in. Perfume yeah. of the Lady in Black, she's fantastic in. Mm-hmm. She's yeah. almost, in some ways, kind of the, uh, like the, the Jamie Lee Curtis, in some ways. of. Uh, yeah, I can see that. I can see I like her a lot in this film. Yeah, she's even, good. I, even though the acting in this film is better in some spots than the actual st- the story, the story really kind of meanders quite a bit for me, but some of the acting is pretty solid. And even, uh, what's his name? Warbeck. He's really good. Warbeck's actually got, pretty good. I got to mute you. I got to take a call. That's okay. I'll, I'll say my normal Warbeck rant here. Um, on the war path about Warbeck. I've always found him as anyone who's listened to the show for long enough can uh, attest to. I've always found him to be a bit dry and boring and just kind of a black hole as far as charisma goes, but he's okay in this. He's serviceable. Um, we get Al Cliver who's underused, uh, as Sergeant Wilson, one of the, the local village policemen. Um, and of course, Dagmar Lysander, uh, as one of the local women. So you know, Cliver has sort of that, he could pass for British and Lysander being a redhead, you know, they figured they'd, <coughs> they'd get her in All the mix, right? right? No, that's okay. Sorry, I had to take a call from MD Farmer's agent. She said uh, she's happy to be on the GGTMC. Oh, she should be. Yes. She should be. Uh, Her first talk- appearance on the GGTMC, not Patrick McGee's first performance. He was oh, he was priest in uh, Hawk the Slayer, right? Yeah, he was that, and he was also in uh, The Strange Case of Dr. Jekyll and Miss Osborne. Oh, Playing the, the kind uh, of chivalrous general. The um, unchivalrous general. Maybe I'm thinking of Magoohan. Is that who had the big schlong? Well, I don't know, man. There's a lot of... <laughs> <laughs> Magoo hand. I don't know. I don't know. I don't Is that know. his name? Patrick Magoo. I don't really feel like doing that Google search right now, but it might <laughs> <No>. be. <laughs> See, little Magoo hand. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Magoo. Um, <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah, this uh, bulbous head. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. Squinting, man. Um, but. Yeah, this has a good cast. I was just saying how Cliver is a bit underutilized. Warbeck, despite my, um, yeah, he's good. Of, he's, he's, he's good fine in this film. film. He's yeah, fine he's, he's good in this for sure. Lissander's yeah. good. Um, yeah, it's part- a really shame if you're and if you're now Cliver fan, you're not going to be very uh, happy about this one. No, because you think he's going to be like this English Bobby. He's going to be busting ass and yeah, kind of fades. He's definitely a cold actor, Al Cliver. But yeah, if you're if you're a fan of his, and I know there's quite a few Al Cliver fans out there. This is not really like a shining moment for him. Al Cliver gives good beard, right? That's, yes, that's you know. always the that's always the joke. Yeah, he's like Hugo Stiglitz. Hugo Stiglitz gets good beard too. Yeah, he he's kind of the Italian Hugo Stiglitz. <laughs> he is. That's a, that, them two remind me of each other a lot. I get them confused sometimes. I wonder if they ever did a film together. He was born in Egypt as Pier Luigi Conti. Oh, yeah, you, yeah. you get all. I find out all kinds of things with these Arrow releases. I just found out that I didn't know that uh, Finnick was from Algerian. Yeah, Algerian Italian, right? Yeah, I didn't know that. I had no idea. I just knew she was Italian. I had no idea she was Algerian. That she was from Algeria, where she spent most of her youth. I didn't know that. It's crazy. Yeah, she's uh, looker. Find you find out something every day. You do. Um, I love how, in true Italian fashion, in the beginning of this film, it says "quote unquote" freely adapted from Poe. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that means we're, we're going to cash we're in. We're taking on this. all kinds of liberties with this. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we're going to take some liberties with the story. Yes. we're Italian and we'll do that. Guys. We're going to splinter that grain into many <laughs> shards. 
Yeah. Um, did you talk about? Did you talk about why I was away? Did you talk about Pino Donaggio's score for this? No, I didn't. You know, to be honest, I think uh, a bit further on in my notes, I'm sure I do somewhere. Yeah, it's a really great theme. Yeah. Uh, the, some of the other stuff's not so great, but I like the theme, and it works really well, like at the opening and stuff with the cat walking around stuff. But you know, Pino's obviously uh, sometimes he can be hit or miss, but Pino this is- feels very much like one of his uh, De Palma type themes. Well, it's funny you say that because my next note was old, overwrought score. And a lot yeah. of the stuff Donaggio did with De Palma always feels yes. very overwrought to me. Yeah, I mean, he's uh, Pino is never one to hold back. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's definitely, you can definitely tell that he comes from the old school movie, at least his influences seem to be from the old school movie thrillers, where they, he really goes, I mean, if you're going to get a scare or you're going to get a jump, he's going to really give you. It's going to swell. and It's going to be, yeah, bombastic. I mean, he's going to, yeah. Yeah, it's, but it's, again, the quieter Pino Donaggio moments can be quite masterful, like in Dress to Kill or or uh, anything pre nineteen eighty, right? Yeah, well, I mean, some of the stuff in the eighties too. I mean, the Howling stuff's good. It's not bad, but I don't remember the score, so yeah, but it's not as memorable as some. Yeah, I mean, well, obviously, his De Palma stuff's probably his most memorable stuff, I would say. But he may um, have done. He may have done. He may have done Piranha. Chances are, you probably don't remember that one either. But no, I the, don't. I know he worked with Dante for a little bit. <clears throat> And uh, he worked with a lot of those guys for a little bit, but I think Pino's still around. I think he's still working. He might very well be. I'll have to check. Um, Evidently, he's a real colorful character. I'd like to. I'd love to meet a Pino Donaggio. Evidently, he's like really, like loud and <laughs> boisterous. He's still Italian alive. man. He's seventy-five years old. Seventy. Yeah, yeah. He's he, he was pretty young when he was working. I mean, he's he's not as old as uh he's not up there with the Morricones. I don't think. Ooh, it looks like he did the Patrick, um, the Patrick remake that Mark Hartley directed. Did he do? Did he? Did he do that originally? I don't know. He did the uh, the new score. Mm. Huh. Yeah, so he's still working. Pino's still. Pino Starting don't don't up. back down. That's right. Those Italian composers, man, they go until they can't go anymore. That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. Um, Sorry, hang on. I had a thud. It wasn't a midnight thud. Hang on here. Yeah. It's raining incredibly hard here where I'm at right now, so hopefully we won't lose the call. Because um, we are relying on internet. Of course, the capricious uh, yeah. quad. Uh, you know, one thing I've always found kind of just an aside with British people when they're saying they refer to themselves as us. Come on, love. Give us a kiss. Give <laughs> us a kiss. Yeah, give us. I think uh, I think might be uh, talking about uh, huge members when they say yeah, that. Maybe we're talking about uh, Patrick <laughs> McGee again. Yeah, the Mr. Magoo. They might be talking Mr. about Magoo. the Mr. Magoo. <clears throat> That's right. The bulbous head, as you the said. The bulbous head. Um, <laughs> um, there's a sort of an abandoned kind of voltmeter, weird paranormal angle with this that they just they really kind of don't go anywhere with. All right, all right. So let's 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 nip this in the bud right now. There's. Some Fulci ridiculousness to this film. Okay, first yeah. of all, I don't believe cats can lock doors. Uh, oh no, no, and this <laughs> cat locks the door. <laughs> yeah, this cat's savvy. Mm-hmm. Uh, he locks doors. We get uh, a nice little kind of uh, sex scene, but it turns into like a, a Fulci gross-out moment for him because he obviously has to work some of that in yeah, to his filmography because mm-hmm. he really became, as we know, he kind of became obsessed with uh, special effects. And I don't know if he became obsessed, but he definitely used it to his. Uh, to his advantage, he leaned on it. I have your thing. Yeah. Should have. And uh, so there's 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 those kind of jumps in logic. Uh, there's 
Patrick uh, McGee, he, he speaks with the dead with a tape recorder, goes to a graveyard, which has the, you know, the fog left over again from Conquest. Actually, this is before Conquest, right? Yeah. So that's even more amazing. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> so you see the Fulci Fog returns for this Man, show. And the Fulci but... Fog comes back in full effect. And I want to say that the cemetery in this looks great. Oh, it and does. This, this Blu-ray looks good. It this looks Blu-ray good, looks exceptional. The sound is fantastic, of course. Uh, Sergio Salvati, who uh, Fulci used, I think, for most of his work, um, and who also, of course... Uh, the DOP? Is he, he's yeah, DOP, he's the right? DOP on Ghoulies 2 as well. Nice. So, <clears throat> take that I remember control. thinking that. Yeah, that looks the Ghoulies Two is amazing. Like that Ghoulies, that Ghoulies Two look. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> he's been working with them right from For the Apocalypse, right through. Nice. Oh man, he shot a film called Von Battleoni Sturmtruppenführer. <laughs> nice. <laughs> amazing. Nice. Good lord. <laughs> But uh, he worked with them right through. Yeah, Black Cat, House by the Cemetery, 1990, The Brock's Warriors, Thunder, Operation Nam, and then it kind of he goes off the cliff with uh, Puppet Master and Ghoulies Two, and oh, he got into the Full Moon world, huh? <clears throat> yeah, I guess he did. Yeah, that Full Moon money, the full, yeah, chasing that true. Full Moon paper. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that siren call. <laughs> <laughs> But that, know, that that convertible that Ghoulies two bought. <laughs> yes, the uh, the Fiero man. He's got he's driving around the Fiero yeah. with that Ghoulies money, yeah. top down, so his hair can blow. Yeah, I have um, a soft spot for Ghoulies, <clears throat> even though they're, I think they're dreadful movies. A hard spot for Ghoulies. <laughs> you know, Ghoulies was all right in my day. Yeah, yeah, and, and yeah, I haven't seen them in ages, but I have the same soft spot or hard spot for wet that spot. I do, like the Critters films. <laughs> yeah, wet spot. Critters are good. No, the Critters films are fun. Yeah, the Critters films are fun, too. Yeah, well, I the first like pair it. of breasts I ever saw in a film was uh, in one of the Critters Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a PG-rated film, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. I think it was a PG-rated film, and they got away with it. And I think that might have been it might have been before PG-13. I don't know if it was or not, but I remember I got away with it <laughs> with my mom. Oh, yeah. We saw that <laughs> at birthday And she came party. in and she saw it. I've, I've had, I have this history of the women in my life coming in and catching me, seeing another woman. <laughs> well, nude. it's better that than some other things. Yeah. It's true. It's better that than my children. I haven't had any issues yet there, really. No, that's the awkward of awkward. Yeah, that is. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, what was I going to say about that? About uh, oh yeah, because yeah, I remember the I think it was Critters Two. That uh, topless scene shows up. I think he turns into one of the warrior women. One of those aliens turns into like a warrior woman or something. Oh, they they found a Playboy. Yeah, that's and, what it is. They find a Playboy and he's tr- yeah. shifting into different things, right? And. Um, <laughs> Yeah. It was at a birthday party. I think it was at my party. And I think one of them, one of them, is one of them Bob Geldof? I don't think it is, but it looks like a guy that looks like Bob Geldof. It totally does. <laughs> and you imagine being the parent nowadays where your kids go to a birthday party. Because we, when we were kids, birthday parties were VHS tapes, hot dogs, uh, and and birthday cake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? That's what it was. That's yeah. what it was at, at your house. And can you yeah, imagine? Grilled food, VHS rentals. You know, so you rent six, get the seventh one free. Yeah, yeah okay. man. And can you imagine being the parent where the kids go home and say, yeah, we watched a movie. There was a woman naked in it. Well, yeah. Nowadays. <laughs> Unfortunately, my mom has been uh, that parent who's been uh, called before. <laughs> <laughs> She's been that mom who's gotten the call. Like, my son, you know, the the Ralphie moment from uh, yeah, the, the Christmas fudge. story, you know, or she, she got in the call from somebody saying, my son says he saw a movie where somebody was found in a drainage uh, catch oh, in, a, in a, a talk about faces of death or something. Yes. 
And uh, he should not be seeing that stuff. And, of course, as an adult with kids now, I totally agree. Yeah, <laughs> he no, shouldn't I have been know. seeing that stuff. <laughs> I know. It's crazy. But as an eight-year-old, I was like, yeah, man, check it out. To win it, yeah. My mom rented this band in 48 countries. (laughs) She doesn't have a clue. Yeah, that's right, man. (laughs) Come to find out, my mom had a clue all along. Like, she knew. She just never really thought it was that big a deal. She did in business. That's right, man. Well, her logic was always, and again, it's up to each parent. This is the way I feel about that. Every parent and every child is different. If you feel like your kids are ready for that. Ready for That's band great. in 48 countries. <laughs> yeah. Are you ready? Like my, my, da- my daughter's three months old. Are you ready? For Bone for Tomahawk. Band in 48 countries. Unfortunately <laughs> for her, she's already seen Mad Boxes. She's already seen and bon like Tomahawk. the tip-top of the trash. Tip-top so Taylor, she, yeah. <laughs> so she already doesn't even know that she's seen that stuff. But, yeah, I mean, you know, we, we used to do that all the time, man. We used to rent those movies and go to birthday parties and stuff. Yeah, that was the way it was, man. Yep. Bad food, as in good food. And, yeah. uh cake and and up all night hey i'm gonna stay up all night man i'm not gonna fall asleep yeah six o'clock you fall asleep <laughs> too many hot dogs and cake too many hot dogs and cake man <laughs> belly ache and too many no holds barred rentals yeah no holds barred yeah there's the bad rentals like uh the worst one the one that put me down almost every time for some strange reason this friend of mine he would always rent i dismember mama oh yeah he'd rent yes, that yes, every yes. time and we never get to it but by the time we did get to it i'd be out oh yeah no. so i've still <laughs> never to this day seen i dismember mama yeah, no, it's, I don't know that I have either. It was out. one of those ones like we talked about with Luther the Geek. It was one of those ones that was always yes. around, but I never watched it. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I think you're right. I think I'm in the same boat. Not that I had someone that rented it all the time, but, yeah, you know. But that's that's what you did, right? You went to the, you went to the video store, you rented the most, Action what you thought would be the most, yeah. Hard. Yeah, you wanted it. Well, yeah, you get something repulsive, right? Yeah, yeah. And luckily, we not to sound like old men, but uh, you know, I grew up in the glory days of Italian oh, uh, yeah. movies like this showing up on VHS, even though I didn't see it. But yeah, movies like uh, well, you know, 1990 Bronx Warriors and stuff like that on VHS, which was just like heaven. <laughs> big time, man. Barbarians was a big one. Yeah, Seemed, that was you huge. Know, some the Italians could pull the wool over our eyes with our parents' eyes, I should say. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Although my dad, who wasn't as big a movie fan as my mom, he'd always just roll his eyes like, what are you watching this garbage for? <laughs> like, well, you know, yeah. it's because it's garbage. I don't That's know. Right. <laughs> That's right. Um, now to get back to Full Cheese Black Cat. The cat does chin-ups in this? Yes. You get chin-ups from a cat, which is awesome. Um, well, that would make sense. I mean, he is turning keys. He's doing all kinds of stuff. He's getting in car doors. You know, I mean, this, this cat can do anything. Yeah, he can. Warbeck loves trench coats. <laughs> and he rocks a pretty good trench coat, but I feel like every film we've seen him in, he finds a way to integrate a trench coat in. Or Well, he does that, or he, <clears throat> he, he's, he's like Charlton Heston. He's one of these open shirt actors. He loves you know? the rock. He's, yeah, he loves that. The Higgins, the Bryn look. Yeah, he loves that look. and Because uh, I think the everything we've done with him, he's always been a detective or some type of thing like that, except an, an for the last hunter. journalist. Yeah. Except for the last hunter, which was the Vietnam one we did, but then that one he was he had the shirt wide open the whole time. He was sweating his balls off in the jungle. Yeah, and... the, the Margaretti film. <laughs> yep. Um Cat as antagonist antagonist is worse than evil child in terms of plausibility. <laughs> and funny enough, Fulci's done both. Yes. Yes. I mean, why don't well, you ever get of. why don't you ever get the team up? Yeah. The evil yeah, child evil. with like the demonic cat. Nice. Then you're on the really shoulder. fucked. On the yeah. shoulder, that's right. But you get no. It'd be amazing if the cat would jump up on a like a like one of those like heavy metal hawk perches with yeah. like the glove. You have a glove for the cat, man. <laughs> <laughs> Black cat 
jumps it reminds me we're talking about this and it reminds me of that stuff going around on facebook the uh small kids versus cats videos i haven't seen that well you'll see you, you might see it eventually you'll come across it where cats just kind of jump you know cats love to play and kids will run around and they'll hide and they'll jump around corners and jump on knock kids down oh they, they don't yeah they come to <laughs> win they that, play to know. win yeah they do <laughs> they do they play to win cats are mischievous little bastards they are um Serious fire in the apartment that we talked about with Lysander, um, or last. Yeah, which we found out, like you said, in the interview, she, she almost about died. That, yeah, we found out that uh, uh, you know, Fulci may have went too far with that. Uh, yeah, one of those director actor moments that you luckily came out okay. That's a great stunt, though. In all seriousness, like, it's a great scene. That is a lot of fire, man. It's a lot of fire, and that whole scene, the way they shoot it, is intense. It's a really <laughs> impressive scene. Um, it's almost as impressive as that cat noose we get later on in the film. Cat noose. Yeah. <laughs> hey, see, this comes back. You know what we got to play, man? You know what we got to play on the show this week? What? Fred Penner, the cat came back. <laughs> the cat came back. Yeah, that's oh, right. Man, I got to get you that. See, it always comes back. <laughs> cat comes back. Yeah. Um, you could tell, and it's funny because my suspicions were confirmed when I listened to the interview that when the bed starts shaking like crazy – yeah. Is totally from The Exorcist. Totally. Well, yeah, Stephen Thrower says on the interview, and like I said, we talked about the extras and stuff, and sometimes we don't always get a chance to talk about the extras, but we had two weeks between shows here. Yeah. So I got a chance to watch quite a bit of them as well. And Stephen Thrower talks about that the producer that Fulci did this film for, he kind of <laughs> wanted, there's some things that even Fulci, Fulci thought was, like, was nah, too this much. Is too much. Yeah. yeah, it's too much of a ripoff. Mm-hmm. And which is amazing. I'd love to be in the meeting room with any Italian director of that era that would say <laughs> that that's too much of a ripoff of, oh, yeah. of something else. But uh, even Fulci didn't really want to do the uh, the bed shaking thing. But uh, he caved in because he was doing the film. Evidently, he was doing the film as a favor for a producer friend. So, so I don't know. Yeah, but I saw, as soon as I saw that, I thought it. And then it was funny when I listened back. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. uh, it was just kind of funny to hear. Um, I'm not a big fan of bed shaking in movies unless it's no, done by actual people. Done by uh, Desiree. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. All comes back to Pretty Peaches. Such a, such a hokey effect, the bed shaking thing. Bed shaking. Um, how about when that candle gets dropped? You have the fastest moving fire in the history. I mean, that shit goes up fast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, her whole her room. She she should have yeah she should have had somebody come and check her house because her whole room is a flammable is a flammable situation. Like (laughs) you almost wonder if like yeah you wonder if her if her bed clothes are made of natural gas. (laughs) You wonder if there was some sort of a gas leak and Fulci just or Fulci just soaked the whole house in something flammable a week out, let it dry, and then. Had a camera, had one cameraman just doing nothing but shooting the expression on her face when there was sheer terror. Yeah. How quickly. Like, what does Dagmar wash her clothes in? Gasoline or, or yeah. paint thinner? I mean, That's which right. one is it? Which one is it? Um, <laughs> I don't, I have to say, Mimsy in this one. Yeah, I, she's, it's, a, it's one of her weaker serviceable. She, the problem with this one for me, if I have a big issue with this one, this one has a lot of filler in it. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that filler is between Patrick McGee and Mimsy Farmer, and yes. I didn't find their interactions engaging, engaging at, at all. all. Remember, at you all. said the word impenetrable at the beginning of the show. Yeah. That's the way I felt about that. The only thing that was penetrating Mimsy was Patrick's eyebrows. Oh, big time! Because he has some amazing eyebrows. Yeah, 
which I think uh, our friend Matt, uh, Matt, Matt House uh, said something about his eyebrow, or posted a picture of him, which might have been from the Black Cat, actually. He's got some eyebrows for days. He does. I mean, they've always used him in close-ups. I mean, Kubrick uh, legendarily used him as the close-up uh, in uh, Clockwork Orange, because remember, he was the, uh, the, the gentleman who they raped his wife, like, yep. singing in the rain scene. Mm-hmm. And that's what, every time I see him, I'll always think of that, because that's always been burned into my brain. Oh, yeah. Because they get vengeance on Alex, right? Because he shows back up eating spaghetti and mm-hmm. that hideous bowl of spaghetti he's eating. David Prowse is there carrying around Patrick McGee. It's a very bizarre, <laughs> bizarre moment. Oh, yeah. No, it totally is. But that's what I always remember him from. And it's like from that movie on, he always looked the same to me. Of course, he only lived, I think, like nine or ten years after Clockwork. So he really kind of milked that that, uh, that Clockwork performance for the rest sure of his career. Did. He sure did, but I like him in this quite a bit, actually. I think he's he's, he's given good. some material that oh, he's given some thankless tasks, man. He's given a task where he has material. to talk to a tape recorder and a cat. I mean, even Umberto Lindsay wouldn't have put him in these positions, you know? Uh huh. Uh huh. Not at all. Even Umberto Umberto would have been like, ah, oh, this is ridiculous. Oh, totally. But not Fulci. He's like, hell no, you're going to get down here right in front of this grave, and you're going to talk to this tape recorder. Oh man. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. Just, it's just thankless. It's like, like I said, it's like Mark Wahlberg in The Happening when he's talking to the wind. It's I can't. I still can't believe for the life of me that Shyamalan uh, let, let left him out to hang out dry like that. It was just uh, oh boy. Um, what was I going to say? The film. Oh, did you notice? I don't know if you noticed around the one hour and eleven minute mark. I guess for some reason they didn't want to. I don't know if Apple. I don't know if Apple had some sort of rights thing, but there was a box. In the house, instead of saying Macintosh, it said Macintosh. <laughs> I didn't notice that. Now I gotta go back and see. It's one nice. hour eleven, roughly. Macintosh. Nice. Like a Macintosh. This film feels very Scooby Doo to me in some ways. Yeah. I don't know what it is. I just get a Scooby Doo kind of vibe. Um, well, it, it, it's kind of com- it's kind of overly complicated and, and yeah. Again, a lot of blind alleys, right? A lot of yeah, the hours. cast is great. Uh, not, I mean, not superior, but good. But uh, there's just, you know, a lot of the interactions. Like Dagmar and uh, Warbeck should be pretty fun together, but they're uh, they're not as much fun as I think they could be. Mimsy and McGee, they're not as much fun. The payoff's fine, and some of the set pieces, like a lot of Fulci's films, some of the set pieces are really great. Yeah, but the, all the pieces don't gel. So, I mean. And not in a bad way. I think the film's a slow moving, and I think it's entertaining enough. And I would recommend people pick it up because I do think it's worth watching and owning. Mm-hmm. Because it's something different from Fulci, and I think some of the different stuff from Fulci is just as interesting as the stuff we know him for. Um, but there's something about it. There's something about it that just kind of <clears throat> drug drug me down a little bit. Yeah, no, I would agree. I absolutely it just. It's bogged down at times. Uh, the other thing Warbeck likes to wear is unbuttoned shirt. He's a bit of a fashionista here. Trench coats, unbuttoned shirts, and cardigans. Yeah, yeah, man. So um, he wore he wore a lot of turtlenecks too. He used to. I think he may maybe in the interview wear a turtleneck. He, he liked to rock the turtleneck. Oh, big time. Yeah, that Lysander interview though. She talks about horror hound. It's funny, but oh, yeah? called to like a convention in Ohio and or Indiana. I'm assuming it was horror hound. She talks about being Dolly's lover and working with Pasolini and and how she got arrested by the American authorities because Fulci stuck the cat with a bloody bladder into her suitcase 
and it <laughs> burst on the plane or something because of the pressure. Oh. And she got oh. arrested for smuggling like a dead animal or something stupid. Why would he, why did he do that? Because <laughs> he's Lucho. <laughs> <laughs> She doesn't give a fuck, man. Yeah. So anyway, but that's that. Th- those are all my notes. Have you kind of? Yeah, I don't really have a whole lot more to add. I mean, we can get to the other stuff. We got a lot. Of, we still got three more films to cover. But uh, the the interesting thing is that I wonder if why would they call Dagmar to the horror convention though? Outside of that, what else does she do? Uh, she worked with Bava. Need hatchet for the honeymoon, I think. Yeah. Okay. There you go. Yeah, because she they did a fair call bit. Her. Yeah, they she wouldn't call her bit. Black Cat, obviously. For forbidden photos of a lady above suspicion, housed by the cemetery. Yeah, she's a striking woman. Devilfish. Oh Lord, that's <laughs> ooh, that's a rough one. That's that Bava. Well, that's, a, that's a Lamberto Bava film, I believe. The Hokey Pokey Gang. I think isn't it Mar- isn't it Martino? I thought. Or maybe I'm thinking of Fishman. I'm thinking of Island of the Fishman. Yeah, it's Lamberto. Um, yeah. The Hokey Pokey Gang. She plays Poopa. No, she was in Nick the Sting, but she wouldn't be there for that. Nick the no, from Werewolf no. Woman. I Ooh, would she, say House by the Cemetery and possibly Hatchet, Hatchet for a Honeymoon or whatever. I've yeah. never seen that, by the way, Hatchet Ooh. for a... It's not bad. No, well, she did the Iguana that. with the Tongue of Fire, which is a very mediocre um, Ireland shot, Jolly, with, I think, with our boy... Um, uh, she was up in the other one here, the Martino one. Um, uh, Luigi Pastilli, yeah. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah, so I haven't yeah. seen that either. It's okay. Okay. Yeah, she's 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 a very striking woman. I was I wish she would have been in the film more, not yes. because just the, you know my mature woman fantasies, but also because I think <laughs> she's I just think she's more interesting. Her character's more interesting than Mimsy Farmer. Yeah, Mimsy. I think Mimsy Farmer's not just. I mean, she's fine. I've seen her in other she's stuff. Okay. I've seen her in Four Plaza Grey Velvet and other stuff, and she's she's great now. But that's the material I think more than her. And I would say the same yeah. thing with Forbidden Photos of a Lady Above Suspicion. Mm-hmm. I really feel like Lysander is a, is a much better screen presence. To be honest, if I'm going to just lay my Mimsy card out, I'm not a big fan of her. I think she's good with good material, but I don't think she can elevate anything. Yeah, yeah. Kind of like a uh, – uh, what's her name? Uh, Tisa Fer- Tisa, Tia Farrow or something Yeah, like Tisa Farrow. <laughs> yeah, she's she's fine in the right thing. Like <laughs> Totally good call, man. Good call. Just otherwise very bland dishwater yeah. to me. Yeah. Yeah, but I don't really have a whole lot. I mean, I enjoyed the film. I love the opening. Uh, <clears> I didn't think <throat> the movie's great in any way. Uh, it's not as good as like some of Fulci's other kind of wackier stuff, obviously, or even his gory stuff in some ways. The stuff he's known for, but even it's not as much fun as kind of like Conquest, which is kind of bonkers, and then uh, some of the other stuff he did uh, during this time frame. But I do like that it's kind of a step away from what he was doing in the 80s and what he became known for. Uh, For a whole generation of uh, horror fans, he kind of became known as the kind of godfather of gore for a while, you know, more so than even like an H.G. Lewis or something like that. I mean, he kind of became like the go-to director for the gore hounds, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, so it's an interesting. I think I can see why this kind of got overlooked. It's definitely an interesting curiosity, but the bonus features and the way this thing looks, it's it's worth a while. I mean, I think like this is a perfectly suitable like thriller for like uh, you know like if like, like like if you got parents or like visitors or family coming over or something who's not really into gore. Although the car crash is a little nasty. Yeah. And the cat hanging is not exactly you know. Uh, Dinner talk. And but, the woman you know. on fire is pretty intense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and the people suffocating in the boathouse. It's not exactly. Yeah, they're like rabid and they're holding hands or frothing at the mouth. And... <laughs> yeah, it's not exactly you know, that, something you though. talk about over tortilla chips, but I mean, you know, yeah. 
you know, other than that, it's you know, it's a perfectly serviceable thriller. Sort of your kid's uh, seventh birthday party. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's one of those things where I'm glad I've seen it now because now I know if my son ever, uh, you know, if I ever catch that he, he snuck out a copy of the Black Cat to watch, I'll be like, oh, well, you know, it could have been worse. I mean, it could have been Vice, which deals with a lot of yeah, uh, sexual deviancy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, aunts and uncles and, you know, moms and dresses and, you know, which we'll get into. It could have been that. So. You know, not that there's anything wrong with that, you know, as you're watching his entertainment purposes and things like yeah. that. But I'm just saying, you know, it's, it'd be a little bit more complicated to have that conversation. Yeah, I would agree. There's, there's complicated sexual, uh, yeah, deep-seated <laughs> things. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's very complicated. <laughs> I even told my wife about it. And she was like, Ooh, why do you watch this stuff? <laughs> I was like, I don't know. I find it entertaining. No, I know, I know. And it's you know, it's it, it's Sergio Martino, the best, in my opinion, the best Yellow director. And she's like, I don't even know what you're talking about. What's yellow? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Said, what is that? Is that like spaghetti? You know. <laughs> my wife, my wife has no idea what I'm talking about. Sergio <laughs> Martino's yellow, you know. Yeah. <laughs> like what? What? Some kind of Italian pastry I've never heard of. That's right, man. Uh, no, but I, I do think the film is, like I said, serviceable. It's not great. Uh, I'll, I'll just be forthright in saying that, but I think it's definitely a nice addition to the set. <clears throat> oh, yeah. And again, oh, right. bravo to Arrow for putting it out, because I don't know if anybody else would ever put it out. Nope. I think it's had a VHS release in the past. I don't know if it ever had a DVD release. Yeah, Maybe it know. did, though. Uh, yeah, I don't know. That's a good question. That's a good question. We've covered a lot of this stuff, though, now that I'm thinking about it. What we have, and I think one of the reasons why we have is, you know, we've worked, even though we're working with Arrow now, we've... You know, we kind of jumped on the Arrow train early, the UK side, and they picked up a lot of his stuff early. So, you know, we did City of the Living Dead, and we did uh, the, we Beyond. Did the Beyond. Yeah, New we York did Beyond. Ripper, we've done. We've done. Uh, what have we done? Something else. And we got to do Murder Rock. I love Murder Rock. Yeah. Oh yeah, I do too. We, Cat we in the Brain. Do, yeah, we did Cat in the Brain, which is another one we did when we jumped. That was one of the first ones I picked from Diabolic. So. We got to do Murder Rock. We got to do Don't Torture a Duckling. We got to do Lizard and the Woman Skin, which we're going to soon. Yeah, yeah. Um, I would say Duckling will probably come along from somebody soon as I well, which is one of the reasons why <clears throat> some of these I think we've held off on because I kind of think we know that they're going to get picked up, put out on mm-hmm. on Blu-ray. That's a that's thing, a tricky right? game. That's a tricky business nowadays too. Now that we've, I'll talk about that off the air. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm with you though. I know where you go. Yeah. but go ahead. Let's give your let's hear your VTs, uh, Maker Bricks. I'm make curious what your make or break is. For oh, you. the fire scene all the way, man. It's oh, intense. Like it's so intense. Yeah, it, you know, it's, it's great. It came in number two for me, but I loved it. Mm. My MVT is the murder scenes because I feel like some of the interplay is either ridiculous or not executable otherwise, but the murder scenes have a real intensity to them. And yeah, You like those cat scenes. The cat scenes, man. The cats locking doors, yeah. uh, causing fires, <laughs> looting nooses. I mean, there's all sorts of stuff. At least with the cat starting to fire, at least we know that could legitimately happen. Maybe mm-hmm. not to the, not to the uh, accelerated or amplified uh, <laughs> fulchiness that it happens in this, but we do know that, you know, cat can knock a candle over easy. Dude, totally. Could totally happen. Yeah. Uh, my score is a six point two five. Oh, nice. You're right there with me. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on the score. Mine's a six point two five as well. Um, because yeah, I think it's perfectly fine. It's perfectly entertaining. Yep. It's not a barn burner. Uh, no pun intended. intended. <laughs> yeah, my make or break is uh, the opening. I really love the opening. I love how I love the cat POV. I love the uh, the kind of macho uh, contractor looking guy getting in his little car and 
you know, the door being open, such a full GS moment. I mean, the cat's following him the whole time. He gets in the car, and now the door is cracked in the back. I mean, none, none of that makes sense. Yeah, Logistically, nothing he just showed you makes sense, but that's <laughs> Fulci. And uh, I love it. And, of course, I love you know, him looking at the cat, the cat looking at him, and this kind of protracted uh, windshield. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, it's not, it, it's not funny because, you know, people do die in car accidents, and I don't want to be – I'm not trying to be crass, but no, I'm just saying no. – it's a ridiculous movie car crash type thing. Although I do oh, think is. that might have been real glass because it breaks kind of weird. Uh, you know, you can always kind of tell when glass is a little bit more real because it kind of breaks like in bigger chunks. That's right. Versus like the, the, yeah, shat, like the, the yeah, the shatter units. stuff, right? Yeah. So nobody gets hurt real bad. So mm-hmm. anyway, uh, and my MVT for the film is the location. I really like that village, man. I think it added a it nice touch. Yeah, it added a nice touch to the whole thing. And uh, you know, like I said, they had that uh, revisit with Stephen Thor walking through the the locations and a lot of those locations are still there. So look, most of them look untouched. As a matter of fact, most of them look pretty spot on. Yeah, they do. Which is pretty amazing. So that's always cool. And we, we've seen that quite a bit, actually. I think with Mark of the devil, most of those locations are pretty much the same. And, uh, a couple other films we've done, though some of the locations are exactly the same. Yeah. They haven't changed much at all over the years. Yeah, no, it's cool. It's very cool. Uh, all right, let's take a short break, and we're going to come back. We're going to get some keys for some locked doors. Come <laughs> back and talk about vices. Maybe this is maybe this is the film where you have the key to that you saw that you don't remember. This is a good point. The key, that's right. All right, maybe you know what? Oh wait, you know what? I'm wondering if because it's such a long title, I had to write it over two. Oh, I did. Fuck. There you go. It took me two lines to write the whole title, and I was like, "What's the key? What's the key?" Yeah, yeah. There you go. Yeah, that's right. Because only and only I have the key. And I'll, yeah, because my first line on that of my ice cream book is, "Your vice is a locked room, and only I have." And the next <laughs> nice. line is the key. Fuck! Yeah, you solved the mystery, man. We did. In full GS fashion, we did. It took us a whole yeah, re- an whole hour. You did it. I would have never solved it. That's brilliant. Okay, we're going to take a short break. I'm going to bumble my way out of a paper bag, and uh, we'll be right back. If you like westerns, comedies, foreign films, horror movies, action-adventure, and classic cinema... Well, we don't have much of that, but if you like ass, titties, farting, burping, puffy nipples, poop, taboo porn, muffin tops, comic books, wrestling, mustaches, pies smashed on butts, cheese, taking baths, butt sex, gagging, milk, and the American flag, check out the Silva and Gold Podcast. We're the morons your mom warned you about while she was sitting on your face. Silva and Gold. We talk about movies and shit. Find us on iTunes or silverandgold.com.
found the key, we've unlocked the door, we know what our vices are. Uh, oh, do we ever. Um, so, uh, if you like raisins covered in pancake batter, uh, if you like... Uh, oh, man. And, Sweaty Luigi Pastilli. Yes. And turtlenecks. Uh, they, 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 that's, uh, I forgot about that. He has a turtleneck in this, too. He does. He's very sweaty. Take off the turtleneck, man. Yeah. But anyway. Yeah. Although that house does have the potential to be very drafty. It's a big house. Oh, it sure does. I'll tell you what. I'm looking at Edvidge Fennick's um, IMDb profile pick. Yeah. And I think she looks better now as like a 65-year-old woman. Oh, yeah. She's a gorgeous woman. She's gorgeous. Yeah. Oh, she oh, no, she she's showed up in Hostel Part 2. Jeez. When she showed up in Hostel Part 2, I was like, oh, my Lord, this woman has aged wonderfully. She is, yeah, she looks better now. She's two years shy of 70. And interestingly and fittingly, she was born in Bonne, Constantine, France. Now, oh. Anaba, Algeria. So, yeah. And she was, uh, you know, we'll get into her um, in a manner of speaking uh, shortly. Um, I guess I can synopsize this. Do you want to lead on this one? Uh Sure. All right, so we had said, I think, I don't know if we had corrected ourselves on the air or not, but um, we had said we thought it might have been our first Edvige Fennec, but all of the all the colors of the dark, another Martino jam, and uh, was hers or was her day, GGTMC debut? But it may have been. I, I, I'm concerned that. Well, I mean, I'm not overly concerned. It's not the end of the world. She may have popped up on the show at some other point. She's such a popular part of podcasting and the cult Italian movie Euro world. cult yeah. world. That uh, and she's been talked about on so many of our friend shows and so many people that we're friends with that mm-hmm. it's kind of impossible to remember when she first popped up on our show. But I would think that all the colors of the dark was the first time, which was also a Martino gym. Yeah, and they worked together a lot because if memory serves, she was married to. And I found out an interesting fact. I'll tell you when we do the review here. But she was married to, or at least engaged to, or dating Martino's brother, the producer. No, she was married to him. She was married. Uh, Luci- is it Luciano Martino? Yeah, Luciano Martino. Yeah, she was married to him. Uh, I think until he died. Yeah. You know, one of hers I've never seen. Uh, it's, it's maybe one of the best titles in the genre. Directed by Sleazemeister that we're both fans of, Andrea Bianchi, is Strip Nude for Your Killer. I've never yeah, seen it. Yeah, you know, I think I have seen it, but... Because I've seen the cover and I've seen the the quote unquote heavy, mm-hmm. they kind of show on the cover or at least that person. I think I've seen it, but I have not watched a lot of these films. I don't rewatch now because I know we'll eventually get to them. Yeah, and we'll cover them. But I would love to cover Strip Dude for Your Killer. Oh, totally. But along with the the Strange Vice of Mrs. Ward, I'd love to cover that yes, as well. Absolutely, absolutely. And I'm glad we finally got around to this one because this is a this is a favorite Martino of mine. Nice. Very nice. I love as as we I've made no, no secret of uh, saying I love uh, Martino's uh, Giallo's quite a bit, and yeah. I know you've come around on him quite a bit more as we've done the show. Yeah, no, he is great. Um, At least with the uh, torso, anyway. Yeah, torsos. You know, I liked it when I'd first seen it. Didn't love it. Rewatched it uh, after I'd seen a lot more in the genre, and uh, yeah, it's the top three for me probably. Yeah, it's a it's a good one. Yeah, I mean the the swamp scene alone. Oh man. Yeah, yeah that's, that's that's shit to uh, to teach filmmakers by, in my opinion. Yeah, it's tremendous. It's tremendous. Um, let's uh, man, she's a good looking woman. Um, so she is. 
let's uh, let's synopsize this. So, Oliviero is a burned-out writer living at his estate near Venice. His dead mother dominating his imagination. He is also a degenerate. Sleeps with his maid and his ex-student. Hosts bacchanalia for local hippies and humiliates his wife Irina in front of strangers. Sounds <laughs> like a silver and gold title, man. Yeah, it's the she same. The terror. same. Uh, that same bacchanalia they're talking about is the same party he, he humiliates her in front of. <laughs> That's right. Man, who, who, who's the person who wrote this uh, synopsis and dropping the bacchanalia? Come on, come on, man. man. <laughs> Fancy book. It's uncalled for. Yeah, it's uncalled for. She lives in terror. When a young woman is murdered, police suspect Oliviero. Things get complicated when his young, beautiful, and self-confident niece, Floriana, pays an unexpected visit. A silver-haired stranger observes. More women die, and thoughts of harming Irina give Oliviero new inspiration. What's Floriana's game? And who's the observant stranger? Watching well, all is a black cat named Satan. <laughs> Jay Haley at Hotmail.com bringing the thunder. Yeah, I love it. Love it. Wow. As ridiculous as all that sounds, it's pretty spot on. It is. I mean, this guy's in it to win it. He's got yeah. like, uh, wow. He has synopsized 4,467 titles on IMDb. Nice. We've probably come across him before. Jeez. Though. I mean, the odds are in our favor. We probably. I would say they're very much so, especially if he synopsized this. Yes, yes. And for those who are wondering, the silver-haired stranger is none other than Ivan Rasimov. Yeah, (laughs) with that typecasting. (laughs) Fuck him and Pastilli both. Although this is a little bit more uh, variety from Pastilli, but a little more sexual in this than we're used to seeing. We're not used to seeing sensual Luigi. Yeah. And we're not used to seeing badly, not this badly wigged Razumov. Yeah, Razumov so. looks like the dude in. Um, he looks like the. Um, oh, the. He looks like he looks like he's playing like the token like bad albano. He looks like either a bon, like a low rent Bond villain or the um, like the protector <laughs> yeah. father figure in Johnny Quest with the white hair. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh man, I would have died for an Italian Johnny Quest. Oh I man, whatever. <laughs> Would I ever? And the little kid and, and uh, the little kid Bob from House of the Cemetery is Johnny Quest. I would have died for that. Amazing. Yeah, that would have been amazing. Fulci directing it. Yeah, that would have oh, been amazing. Yeah, that would have been outstanding. Um, yeah. Okay, I could talk about this one a little hear bit. Let's you speak on this. Yeah, we we get Pastilli, who is uh, one of the great faces of Italian cinema. Sure is. Uh, and arguably one of the great faces of all its cinema. Mm-hmm. Uh, he hasn't been on the show in a while either, I don't think, but. Uh, Rather infamously, he kind of—I think the first time he showed up on the show was *The Great Silence*, and maybe I think that might have been the first time. But he showed up on your show uh, on the show a couple times now. He did the he was in the Dollars trilogy. Yep, yep, and uh, just just a great face. Uh, he really gets to shine here. He gets a very beefy part for him, very complicated to say the least. Individual. Oh yeah. Uh, that has a lot of Oedipal and other the complex sort of hangups. Yeah, yeah. He's got all kinds of complexes going on. Let me tell you. Um, the actress that played the, the wife, I can't remember her name. She, she had been in something else I'd seen. She did a few like giallo or Italian thriller type films, I believe. So she worked with Argento or she worked with somebody else. I think maybe, I don't know. Was this the, uh, the wife, the redheaded wife, the, uh, Onita Stringberg. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, man. She's done all kinds. I mean, she's been in so many striking face, very angular, striking face. Yeah, no, she's great. Um, very Dagmar-esque now that I think about it. Lizard in a woman's skin. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. She was in that. 
She, I think she's the sister, remember? Tropic of Cancer, uh, Who Saw Her Die, mm, yes, uh, Women in Cell Block 7, Almost Human. I think she plays, uh, the, uh, yes. what's his name's wife in that? Yeah, yeah. So she's been in quite a bit of stuff, and and she's really, she's kind of fun in this. And then, uh, of course, Edward, Edward <clears throat> Finnick is uh, perfectly cast for what she is, kind of like this guy's, this is kind of her kind of pixie girl look. Which they did, we find out in some other great special features, we should say, before we kind of get into the film too much, too much. Again, everything that we said about the previous uh, Black Cat release, because I think we have more to say about this film, top to bottom quality stuff, but they had said in, you know, some great kind of insight that Fennec's hair was cut short because the role was originally written for like a, supposed to be like a 17, 18 year old because she was, you know, maybe 25 or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. She was older by the time they wanted to make her look a bit younger. Yeah. The haircut makes her look younger and and she would rock that kind of pixie look every now and then anyway. I'm more about the long hair though myself. I got to say. Yeah. I mean, some people, yeah, you you get people who are fans of her who like the long haired Fennec or like the short haired Fennec. I I mean, I like both, but I, I I do. I'm, I'm a long haired guy. So yeah. By nature. I'm not saying that that's, I, I need that to be. I mean, we, we can talk about Tilda you know, all day and all night. I that's mean, right. I don't have to be. But Tilda with long hair rocks my world. Man, too, and she so. looks good in that Italian film, I Am Love. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And you know who I always mix Anita Strindberg up with is Anita Ekberg, who also did films with like Bava and stuff. Sweet ah, yes. short hair women who kind of exude certain something. So this Bacchanalia party, the strange dinner party. <laughs> It is it is a very strange party because he invites like the local like I guess like the hippies the local yes. ne'er do wells that yes. I guess they would be at this time and because this is 1970 what two yeah. 70 uh, uh, you know so he invites these people into his home and you know they're drinking and you know, he's talking about his his uh, mom and the infamous dress which we'll see several times throughout the film. And the painting he has over and stuff. We get people dr- dancing naked for just, you know, random reasons. But again, it's the time period. It could have been justified, you know, sorry, free thinking society. Yeah. So there's some ridiculous dancing in this. There's some ridiculous dancing in the film, yes. The hippies themselves are pretty ridiculous. They're very much very cardboard cutout, very stock. <laughs> Italian. <hippies>. Yeah. Italian <laughs> very, stock. <laughs> yeah. They're very, you know, those very, like, like an Italian, like American, Italian's oh, idea of what an American hippie is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's spot on in some ways, but I mean, in some ways, it's kind of like very much a, you know, a stereotype. Broad surface right? kind of stereotype. Yeah. And of course, Pastilla, he's just bored. You know, he doesn't really care. And he just wants to humiliate people. He humiliates the maid. He has an African-American maid, which he humiliates and oh, yeah. mistreats. He mistreats his wife in front of the maid after he's made with the maid. <laughs> yeah, he's... Uh... And she wears, the wife wears the dress because she knows... At least I think she knows that uh, it gets him. Well, obviously, it gets him very excited because he basically rapes her under the dinner table. Yeah, she. This is just, this is a very sleazy film. She wears his late, late mother's dress. Yes, and she's not the only one that wears it. At some point, the maid will wear it because mm-hmm. for some strange reason, everybody covets this very Snow White on Italian cinema esque type dress. Yeah, it's kind of a <laughs> That's gross what it dress. Me of. It wouldn't get. It me reminds me of like the Snow White dress through the filter of Italian cinema. Yes, and the maid tries it on, and and Fastile, he can't. He can, he just has this very strong Oedipal complex that we Damn. find out because he slept with his mother. Not we don't. They never really said if he actually slept with his mother. No, but he physically slept with his mother for some for maybe longer than he should have or something. Yes, like which it. I don't know if that means that you have an Oedipus complex or not. 
I mean, I just don't know. I don't, <laughs> I don't know what, what that means. But the, the fact, though, that he gets turned on by other people wearing the dress, that would obviously mean he does have some type of complex. There's something going on there. For sure. Because, and he must have been somewhat sexually attracted to his mother because there would be no need for him to be, uh, you know, turned on by that kind of thing, obviously. Yeah. So there's that element to the, that's already part of the sleaziness. And then the sleaziness just kind of amps up because, Pastilli's just, he's, he's a bad dude. He's, he's not one of the things I like about this. Yeah. One of the things I like about this film is nobody is really, there's not very, these are all pretty much all despicable people. They're all gross people. Yeah. (laughs) They're pretty, they're pretty awful. So this is pretty, uh, you know, point blank that this is a sleazy, nasty, uh, giallo. And it's not, I wouldn't call it like, like a great example. I mean, I, th- I think it's a great film and I think it's great that it's considered as yellow. I think there's only certain elements of it that are really jelly esque. Well, it is a murder mystery. Yeah. Right. But it's, uh, yeah, it's but, setting. I mean, it doesn't, it has the black glove thing. It has some of those things and stuff, but I mean, that stuff's kind of dropped pretty quick. It's not a conventional one. If you were going to show people what you felt like, um, were great examples of the genre and some of the hallmarks of the genre, this probably isn't it. But once they've seen a lot of that stuff, I think to go to this. Yeah. This is a nice riff on that stuff. Yeah, absolutely. There's stuff like this and one called the double where it kind of turns things on a series with John Sorrell. That would kind of be a next layer level, I would say. Yeah. And, and that's kind of one of the nice elements about this because nobody, it's not like, um, well, I'm trying to think of some of the other ones we've done. Let's say, let's say, uh, Deep Red, Red where Hemings. Uh, Hemings character is actually a pretty decent guy. Yeah. Uh, Long time, wrong place. Crystal Plumage, uh, Visconti's character, he's a pretty decent guy, right? I mean, oh, he's uh, trying to help somebody out. Uh, no, sort of. No, no, what's his name? Uh, does it? Does Visconti. he eat cat meat? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, not Visconti. Um. No, no, no. Tony. Uh, Tony. Tony. Visconti. Uh, Tony Visconti. Uh, that's right. Visconti. I'm thinking fucking Lucha. <laughs> Lucha. I'm thinking uh, Lucino. Lucino. <laughs> Lucino Visconti. Yeah. yeah. I think he worked with. Uh, he may. Dagmar may have been one of his films. As a matter of fact. Yeah. Right. You know, you ever hear that that film? I always meant to see it. Dagmar's Hot Pants. No, I've never seen it. <laughs> <laughs> title always made me. Laugh. That's a great title. Yeah. Dagmar's Hot yeah. Pants. So the, the wait for the sequel is coming out this year called Sammy's Hot Pants. Yeah. <laughs> 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 smuggling plums all over the United States in a patio. Um, Yeah. So the thing about this, the the character Bastille plays, he's a washed up author, uh, and arguably a, uh, academic. Yeah. He's a teacher. Absolutely. He he sleeps with his students. So he's a bad guy there. He cheats on his wife. Drunk. Yeah. He's a drunk. He throws, as we said, bacchanalia parties. Yeah. That we need Uh, to get teachers to say that bacchanalia. It's awesome. Oh, <laughs> I probably use that way more than I, mean, I probably use the word back and now yeah a lot more. Oh, it's coming in going man. forward. It's going to be in the mix with tough tits. Yeah. Anytime there's debauchery and we're just going to say, how about that back and now yeah in this one? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the uh, the uh, they introduce the, these characters off and on throughout the film. Now you get some some great like Martino s stuff. I mean, there's some great uh, POV stuff. There's some great. There is some great cat stuff in here. Uh, it's not POV from cat stuff, but the cat Satan itself has a nice uh, has some nice character moments. Yes, because uh, uh, Pastilli loves the cat. Loves the cat. He loves Satan, uh, which is funny to say. But and obviously his wife hates uh, Satan, which is also funny to say. But that yes. 
they uh it's funny that anybody would name a cat Satan. i actually knew a guy that had a dolerum pincher when i was growing up that had the name satan and he, you know, he was a big fan of like the omen and stuff. And he had like a pentagram around his neck and stuff. And the dog was a really sweet dog, but you know, he put it in the yard and say, hey, Satan, you know, and this big dog would come running. You'd be very intimidated because, you know, this, it wasn't a Rawar, but it was a Doberman, but you know, it's a very big, intimidating dog named Satan coming running at you. It's got a pentagram around his neck. You know, what are you supposed to think? Anyway, uh, <laughs> off point, but very cool. Uh, um, the, the character of, uh, the niece, Shows up. Uh, this is, of course, Edvidge Finnick. Uh, they give her a great entrance. Um, the train, right? Yeah, the train. They give her kind of a nice entrance where she shows up and she's uh, rocking the pixie look and stuff. And right away, you can tell things are going to be rough for uh, Luigi Pastilli because uh, he <laughs> he's ogling her right from the get go. Oh yeah. And uh, this is where the film gets even more deviant. I mean, it just becomes this thing of debauchery after debauchery and it's interesting the way it plays out i don't want to give it away because obviously there's a mystery here yes that if you haven't seen it before i think it it's comes not like a lot of well i'll let you go ahead nope i was just cutting in i, I won't go ahead oh i'll just say that it's not like a lot is yellow especially some of your lower tiers yellow where some of it doesn't make any sense correct this one follows through pretty steadily on what it's trying to do yes it's definitely a murder mystery that makes sense. It, it, once you find out what's happening, it all makes sense. Uh, I agree totally. All, yeah, it all kind of pays off well. Uh, at least I think so. And I, I, I agree. agree. Yeah, yeah. It is a logical and, yeah. uh, conclusion to some tomfoolery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and you see it. You don't see it coming like maybe the first time. So I think it plays off. It plays off those things well. Of course, you might see it come the second or third time. Yeah, uh, you can obviously because you've seen it a couple of times, you can see all the stuff that he's doing, all the tricks he's kind of putting together. But it's, it's hard to talk about because some things happen to some characters that obviously I can't discuss because it would spoil the mystery for those who haven't seen this yet, which I'm sure there's more than a handful of folks who still haven't watched this. So this is a great time to jump in. Uh, it's it, it was a bit of a hard sell, I got to say, for me, for Pastilli to kind of play the playboy character at first. The first time I saw this when he's kind of kind of playboyish. I agree. It'd be like but then nowadays. when I come to find out that he's really like a deviant pervert, it kind of works out. <laughs> it does, yeah. Because he he you know he's not with us anymore, sadly. Luigi Pastilli, he's a great you know great character actor. All those things we've said before, but uh, he did have the face of a uh, you know a scumbag, and <laughs> because of that, you know, he, like like Razumov, he had yeah. a he had a great career because he you know they had great faces. Yep. And we all know the Italians, you know, for a lot of the seventies, late sixties into the eighties. They they cast these wonderful faces. Oh man! And, did they ever. Uh, yeah, Razumov and Pastilli had uh, great careers through the '60s and uh, mid '80s. I think Pastilli died in the early '80s. Actually, I think he died not too long after this. I think I don't. I can't remember, but I can't remember exactly when he died. But I know Razumov made it to the late '80s. I think so. Uh, sadly, but you know. But yeah, he pops up in here. Uh, we get uh, one of my notes here says that family affair, but uh, you know. <laughs> It, it, that, it gets even more complicated. Yeah, it, that, that's what I'm saying. This this film, it's it's easier to talk about the technique of this movie than it is the plot because the plot is kind of so kind of uh, so well kind of interwoven. Uh, it's such a bagnalia, back bagnalian plot. Yes, it is a bagnalian <laughs> plot, isn't it? Uh, that and you don't really want to give any of it away because, like I said, it works and. There's not really any moments, I think, in the film where it kind of falters. 
too much. Uh, I do think kind of the kind of, even though I think it's fine in the movie, I do think the scene where Finnick ends up at the bike race is kind of silly. It seems very needless, like they had access like, to a bike race. and Yeah, that's what it feels like. Yeah. I mean, the bike racing is pretty awesome because it looks so unsafe because it's, you know, the early 70s. Oh, yeah. And those bikes weigh a lot. <laughs> yeah. And these guys are really going to town on these bikes, man, and it looks like so unsafe. Big time. Uh, but, you know, sadly, no Mark Perel or Ray Lovelock on the bikes Ripping in the it, race. Yeah. Uh, or else it would have been over before it even began. But uh, the, the, that stuff's uh, the stuff's good. Uh, I like all the scenes. I wish there was more scenes. Oddly, this sounds kind of weird, but I like the scenes of the delivery man delivering uh, stuff and coming to see the you know the hot women at this. No, I would <laughs> agree. They're good. Yeah, they're good scenes. Like he comes one time, he sees the wife. You know, he's kind of got a thing for the wife, and then he comes another time, he sees the the niece. You know, and he kind of falls for the niece. And of course, he had a little thing for the maid. You know, and that kind of doesn't pan out, obviously. And they're, they're really nice uh, scenes. The the kills, they're not. There's not a lot of them in the film. No, I'm it's thinking. not a high body count film by any stretch. No. But they're well choreographed. Yes. And well done the way Martino does them. Uh, again, not as much of a stylist as I would say. I would I would always say that Argento's more of a stylist than than Martino, but. For some strange reason, the way Martino does them, maybe it's the editing or something. I, I think for me, they work better sometimes. They are intense. Although I don't yeah. think I don't think the kills in this rival anything in like Deep Red or some of Argento's like high marks. But because Argento's highs are pretty high, yeah. for me they're just not as prevalent as they are for some others. Uh, Martino is pretty steady for me uh, throughout his career, especially throughout his Jelly career. He pretty steady as far as. Uh, the kill scenes and his uh, his scenes of uh, well intrigue and yeah his bacchanalia type uh, yeah, yeah. moments <laughs> his bacchanalia is pretty you know on point his bacchanalia <laughs> game is on point <laughs> uh, this, to say that Vestili and his wife have a difficult relationship would be put lightly oh it sure would <laughs> and sure. to say that Vestili and his niece have a difficult relationship would be put lightly that also would be a, a yes. <laughs> And, you know, I don't think this is giving away too much, but to say that uh, Pastilli's wife and Pastilli's niece have a difficult relationship is There's is some awkward, it yeah, A for awkward, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it just, it's, it's that kind of movie, you know? Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> I just, you know, I think all of it works. And I think it's a great example of the genre, kind of like pumping on all cylinders. Again, it's not the one that I would, like you said, I wouldn't. I think Deep Red is still one I would show. Torso is still one I would show. Although I think Torso has a little bit more wackiness to it compared to yeah, Deep Red. Yeah. Yeah. But I think those two and maybe maybe Plumage and Lizard Skin. I mean, you know, Solange, you know, some of these some of these ones yeah. we've talked about over the years. Black Belly of the Tarantula is a favorite Yeah, Black Belly. That's a, that's a good one, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, obviously, there's so many good ones. Fuck, we, there's so many. We could talk about them all day, but this one would definitely be one after you've seen a lot of the touchstones. This would definitely be one. Some would call it a touchstone, but I think this is kind of like one you come to later. Yeah, I don't think and this you appreciate is, more. Yeah, I don't think this is a high water. When I say it's not a high water, I don't mean that disparagingly. I think it's not quintessent. Well, it's uh, yeah. I can think it's good for your second pass around the genre when you're looking for different things. Like um, you would get into uh, House of the Laughing Windows. This the double, which is the Jean Sorel film. You could get into. Uh, you know, some of the kind of more far out stuff. Yes, exactly. Exactly. 
Although I do think, though, that because of the quality of uh, your vice is a locker room and only yeah. I have the key, I think because of the quality of the filmmaking stuff, I think as time has gone on, it's really become like this really strong watermark of the genre that's kind of, you know, been appreciated more as time has gone on, right? Because mm-hmm. not only does it have the great title, which almost everybody, even if you haven't seen the film, you've probably heard the title. Yep. Uh, because it's just one of those great Italian gialli titles. Or the great, you can just say Italian, but you could say all European cinema had these kind of wacky great titles back in the day. Oh, big time. Uh, what Have You Done to Solange is a great title. and uh, but Woman in a Lizard Skin, that's a great title. And I mean, you name it. Lizard in a Woman's Skin is a tremendous title. I, th- I think I said Woman in a Lizard Skin. Oh, did you? <laughs> yeah, Lizard in a Woman's Skin. Yeah, you, you got it right. There you go. Oh, okay. <laughs> the bacchanalia of the words kind of messed me up. The, a yes, bit. yes. Yeah. There was some bacchanalian confusion. But still, this is a reminder. <laughs> This is a reminder to me that Martino still works for me, maybe the most in this genre. And it's really a shame that Sergio Martino doesn't make more movies. I, I, you know, he's he's an older man now, but he's still in, you know, looks like he's in relatively good health. He's aged incredibly well. He looks fantastic, yeah. And uh, I really would like to see him because I think he's the kind of filmmaker that could still be making, you know, I think he does TV stuff mostly now. Yeah, probably. But it would really be great if he kind of would jump back in. Him and Diodato and some of these guys would just kind of jump back in and make a few films before they... You know, they leave this earthly coil, you know, and this mortal coil and go to the, you know, whatever you believe in on the other side. But uh, I wish they would make, you know, I wish they give it. I wish some like independent, like uh, entrepreneur would say, hey, I want these five. I want Lindsay. I want Diodato. I want Martino. Uh, I'm trying to think of some other ones that are still alive. You know, another interesting Martino one that I think we always forget is a Martino one that we've done. Sorry to cut you off is um, Uppercut Man with Daniel Green and Juliana Gemma. Yeah, yeah, that's a weird one. It it's a good one though. I mean, it's not. It's, it's not great. It's, it's not a barn. Yeah. You know, it's not a like I said earlier, a barn burner. But it's not. Uh, it's not bad either. It's kind of fun. Ooh. Hands of Steel. We done. We done this. We done uh, we all never, the colors of dark. How have we never so? done his film with Eddie Finch called Cream Horn? Yeah, he did quite a bit. Of, like I said, him and uh, his brother, it had to be awkward to shoot. Wouldn't you think it would be awkward to shoot your brother's wife nude scenes? You would think. You would think. Well, I mean, not as awkward unless, as Argento. Unless they had a but... very Bacchanalian dynamic to their um, relationship. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I yes. will say this. We've never done Gambling City, which is a high watermark of the genre for me. Yeah. Of a Euro crime That's genre. That's a Martino, right? Yep. Violent yep. Professionals is rad. Um you go through his you go through his career yeah. and he's he's more solid than he is. I mean his batting average is pretty damn good. Oh man. What's the one he did um I always thought it was him. Is it Naked and Violent? No, no. He did one. It was early in his career I thought. Um Unfortunately, he's kind of like the, the, the kind of third wheel Sergio in the history of Italian cinema, really, yeah. in a lot of ways, because he comes behind Leone and Corbucci and uh, kind of gets forgotten, I think, because he was he dabbled in so many genres. That's right. But he didn't go full tilt like uh, Fulci did. Fulci kind of, like said, we said earlier in the other review, kind of became this kind of gore. The gore fans really kind of latched on to Fulci. Martino really didn't do that. He kind of, you could tell he kind of wanted to try everything. Yeah. No, and Diodato too. I mean, obviously Diodato became infamous for one film, but he, you can, you know, you can see in the '80s he was trying to do different things. Mm-hmm. No, he totally was. But that... Whereas Fulci was very happy, I think. Even though, from what I understand, he didn't really understand how how big his fan base was until near the end of his life. 
That's right. With that Fangoria convention and the snowstorm, and yeah, he didn't. Uh, he didn't really know how big he was in America. Like I don't think he even knew. But back in those days, you wouldn't have really because you know, it was all about video and wasn't, stuff like that. Yeah, it wasn't like uh, internet nowadays. Uh, I was thinking of Naked Violence, uh, I Ragazzi del Mascaro, which is the it's a Deleo film, which is pretty fun. Um, Raro put it out. Nieves Navarro. Speaking of scream queens of the genre, and Pier Paolo Caponi, but I, for nice. some reason, thought Martino directed it, but. Nice. It's a good I one. Se- I don't think I've seen that. It's good. It's fucking sleazy. This teacher gets killed and raped in her classroom. And Ugh. the detective is uh, try- who is Pierpaolo Capone, who's trying to investigate the case. And he's getting mixed stories from the different students. And Are you sure we didn't cover that? We might have. I don't know. I- I- I'm a big fan of it. but uh, Did we cover that, man? I feel like we covered that. I don't know. One of the writers is like Nino, Nino Latino. So, <laughs> did we cover that? In like, the, didn't we do the second Italian box set? Didn't we do that? It might have been in there. It might have. Oh man, I thought this is this is how long we've been doing the show now. We don't even remember what we've done. Jeez. This has always been my big fear. Yeah. The secretly well, yeah, behind the get scenes, better as my, we get older too. Yeah. <laughs> secretly, well, I mean, the way I look at it is, you know, it might be kind of rough on the listeners to realize the two old two men that are getting older and oh, don't fuck. get much sleep or forgetting what they cover. But hey. Yeah. For you might get more bang for your buck. You might get the same film covered twice. That's right. <laughs> and we don't even remember. Yep. I feel like it was in that uh, that DeLeo uh, Italian uh, collection, Volume Two. It might have been. You might want to. You got the internet. You might want to check that. I feel like we've done that because I feel like uh, it was a play before it was a movie. Yeah, I think you're right. I think we've done that. I think I remember that. If we haven't done it, we've talked about it, and I have seen it. Anyway, uh, yeah, so... I, yeah, I, like it's in said, there. Yeah, there you go. We've done it. Boom goes the dynamite. <laughs> Boom goes our memory. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What you guys are hearing is the early onset of dementia from two uh, grown men. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Who work That's too right. much and sleep too little. Yes. That's right. <laughs> um, yeah, anyway. Uh, there's a lot of like great scenes in this, too. There's uh, some fun stuff for... Uh, I, I, I'll i be forthright in saying that the, the make or break scene is the nice twist because if oh, you yeah. haven't seen it the first time, it will kind of hit you out of nowhere, and it's it's well done, I think. So, um, But, yeah, I don't really have a whole lot more to add. I mean, I could talk about this movie forever, but it would mean spoilering, spoilery type talk because I think it's so layered and so well done <clears throat> that Martino sets everything up so good. Uh, that, you know, I, I mean, the only other note I got is really that, you know, J&B is all over this thing. There's oh, yeah. so much J&B being drank in this movie. Big time. And that, you know, as we know from experience, when you drink the J&B, things get sleazy. <laughs> Just ask Ken, our good friend Ken in Indiana. Yeah. Just Indiana. ask Doc Zom's room uh, from uh, about three years ago. Oh, man. Or Metal <laughs> Mikey. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that's all I got. But I'll just say you know, I'm a huge fan of this film and, and this even if you weren't, you know, going to purchase this because you were kind of hesitant on the Black Cat itself, uh, I would purchase. The box is wonderful. The book looks wonderful. Black Cat is serviceable. Oh man! And and this film is great. Yeah, you get interviews with Fennec, with Ernesto Gastaldi, who we should say wrote this, and he's been just he's been on our show countless times. Just an amazing writer. Worked with a lot of great directors, Elio Petri. Worked with Romualdo Guerrero. I mean, worked with them. He worked with Martino a lot. A really great uh, screenwriter. Um, 
Yeah. And you get two. You get two interviews with uh, Martino. That's right. Well, you get one with him, and then you get a look back on the film. And I think. There's an interesting, they call it the visual essay, exploring the director, of course, Martino's contributions to the giallo genre. There's an Eli Roth uh, thing, you know, take it or leave it, but just... Uh, yeah, it depends on how, you know, your mileage may vary on Eli Roth himself, but... Yeah. Uh, you know, it, he, he uh, you know, he's a big fan of Martino. I know the torso is his favorite giallo, so... Yeah, yeah it's, he's got good taste, if nothing else. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean like I said, you know, he's... Kind of kind of got it uh, waylaid by his uh, mouth, and some, yeah, and his douchery sometimes. But uh, underneath it all, we got to remember he's still a movie fan. Yes. <laughs> so you know, there's still some allegiance there. <laughs> Not much, right. but there's still some. <laughs> yes, precisely. I still look forward to stuff he does. I mean, as much as you know, I can. I don't, you know, not as much as I did after Hostel and Hostel Two, but I still haven't seen The Green Inferno, and I'm still interested. I'm, I mean, I'm not chomping at the bit. I'm not but, cramming it, I'll tell you that. No, I'm not cramming it either. No, I, I don't even see that. <laughs> no. No, but yeah. I mean, I still, want to, I still want to watch it. I'm just waiting for the cram to be over. You have to head to our Facebook group. I've tagged you in something. Gonna... Okay, I'll check it out. Um, what notes do I have? Um... I'm sure you got some good ones. So I'll be amazed if you can teeter-totter around the, uh, the bacchanalia that is the plot. Yes, this is true. I always love seeing the Titanus logo. Uh, with films, with old Italian films. Um, Bruno Nicolai score, right? I'll yeah. take Mr. Nicolai over Mr. Martino, or Mr. Uh, Donaggio, oh, that's oh. for sure. Oh, nice. <laughs> I'm looking at the thing you tagged me with. <laughs> that's amazing. So, you know, in this picture, uh, Razumov's got a bit of a, a will look. he got a bit of a large William look here. Going oh, nice. nice. If I dye my hair white, I can go as uh, Razumov for Halloween one year. Yeah. And I'll be I'll, I'll be the uh, I'll be Johnny Quest. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Um, That's good. That's good. Nice Photoshop work. Yeah, I, I, I didn't think I was going to find a head at the right angle, but yeah, nice work though. Good, thank you. I like that one. So I have some of our fucking posts are so esoteric, but you got to listen to the show. Yeah, yeah, well, the show's esoteric. The group's esoteric, and you know the way I look at it is. It's our group. Everybody can go in there and they can share what they want to share and all their haulage pictures and everything. And I, I love all that stuff. But for when we come in there and post it's just anything we want to post, <laughs> and we just post some of the most bizarre stuff randomly. Yeah. <laughs> Seems completely random. That's just <laughs> nobody has any idea what's going on right now. The why is there a picture? A lot of people won't even know who that is. <laughs> no, they won't. But I bet there's a few sort of Euro crime uh, or Euro cult. You know, like Jeff uh, Shipless and Shasta, and maybe David uh, Sassino. Um, You know, a few people, Tanner Calcal. You know, I think yeah. uh, CDR. A few people that are really, you know. Yeah, some people catch on pretty quick. But yeah, it's uh, the white hair might throw them off. Um, <laughs> maybe not though. If if they figure out who it is, that should that should that should give them a real big clue. Yeah, no, very true. Um, has Pastilli ever smiled a warm smile on film? I can't think of him ever playing a good guy. I think, well, I mean, the stuff you know him for is typically, I mean, obviously he's a total, I mean, he's a total douchebag in The Great Silence. Oh, fuck yeah. He's a terrible, terrible character in that. Awful. But I've known, I mean, I think I've seen him in stuff where he's played like police, this policeman and stuff. And now I don't know about smiling. I, I don't recall like really outside of it being kind of a, you know, a degenerate smile or some kind of. Some sleazy, someone's getting raped. Yeah. I'm happy about it. Smile. Yeah. 
Yeah, kind of a naughty smile more than a genuinely happy smile. I don't know if I've ever seen one of those from him. <laughs> but a great I did quite actor. a bit of work. You know, there's quite a bit of stuff he did that I've never seen. So I've always, always, always meant to see. Uh, it's a big, 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 big blind spot for me. Uh, Eurocrimer, I guess. Uh, Elio Petri's We Still Kill the Old Way. Tremendous title. The cast is Jean-Marie Volante, Luigi Pastilli, Irene Pappas, and Gabriele uh, Frazzetti. So. Oh, nice, nice. Fuck, that would man. be a good one to see. Yeah, and listen to this. A left. This feels very, you know, Petri. A leftist professor wants the truth about two men killed during a hunting party, but the mafia, church, and corrupt politicians don't want him to learn it. Oh, God. Yeah, I can see why Volante's in it. Yeah, yeah, that's his total Volante material. <laughs> yeah. He tended, um, he tended to only work. He was a lefty. When he stuff. He was, yeah. He was very much a lefty. He tended to only work when he was doing stuff he was passionate about. Mm-hmm. No, it's true. Um, Strindberg has great expressive eyes and face. It's funny that both films this week the have cheekbones. got great cheekbones. cheekbones. Wonderful face. They feature two pan-European redheads. Yeah, yeah. I mean, as far as beauty goes, I'm more of a Dagmar than a Strindberg, but that's yeah. just because she's yeah. a little bit more angular, and Dagmar is a little bit more. Uh, I'm trying to be polite here, but a little bit more curvy. Uh, you know, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, at least at least by the time she got to Black Cat, anyway, she now she didn't start out that way. If you go look at pictures of her when she was young, mm-hmm. she was actually a lot more like Strindberg. But Strindberg, uh, both of them though, are striking women. Oh yeah, I would agree with you that Dagmar. Neither is... one of them can touch Finnick. This is true. That's that's a different class. She's of, another uh, class altogether. Yeah. Did she's you, universally – I mean, I really don't know anybody that isn't at least somewhat appealing uh, – that she doesn't appeal to him somewhat. No, exactly. Nobody I've ever met has really never told me that, ah, I just can't get into Finnick. No. Yeah, that's that's a ridiculous statement. <laughs> yeah. Um, what else was I going to You can see a lot of her at this. If you're a fan, you want to – if you're curious. I mean, obviously, the internet nowadays, you don't have to go very far to see a lot of anybody. But, uh, you know, the nudity in this is very – uh, sensual and very well done. Erotic. Yeah, it is. Uh, erotic city like Prince. Um, <laughs> there's a great line. I think Pastilli, there's so much disdain and loathing uh, between Strindberg and Pastilli as husband and wife. Uh, like yeah. There's a line where I think he says to her, drink at the, uh, again, at the Bacchanalian jam. Yeah, he makes he mixes her a Long Island iced tea there in the ashtray or something. The, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, hey, here's a GGTMC pro tip: if someone mixes you a drink in the ashtray, don't fucking drink it. Yeah, nothing yeah. good yeah. will come from that <laughs> no. ever. No, oh, nothing man. good comes of that. The only thing good. Uh, this is the only movie I've ever seen where something good comes from that. That's a nude a hippie on the table after <laughs> yeah, the fact. Getting down, cutting a rug. <laughs> <laughs> she gets down, um, but what he thinks it's to a drink, or maybe you'd rather drink from my empty skull. Yeah, no, it's just some. I mean, it's obviously it's a terribly awful, ugly relationship. Yeah, and and Pastilli's character is so dreadful. He's so depressed. He's so so much sick. loathing, and he's yeah. a sick, mer- sick man. Uh, yeah, and she a sick merman. Has, Jeez, yeah, a sick merman. Well, it's a Martino film, so he did do a Fishman film. Yeah, that's right. The, Island of the, the Fishman. Uh, the fact that, you know, that he ends up doing what he does with his niece and then that she's trapped in this and that, you know, I, I can't really talk much more about that. And it's just uh, it's just 
there's nobody. You, you name me a character. Well, outside of the police, or well, actually the delivery guy. He's he seems. Oh, like the nonna, the nonna that delivers stuff on her bike is pretty nice. Oh yeah, yeah, she's nice too. Yeah, yeah. she's funny actually in the film. She is kind of funny, yeah. <laughs> I, I wish that Gastaldi co-wrote this screenplay with George Eastman. It would have been even sleazier. Yeah. Martino was like, he's one of these guys that's like very refined and well-dressed, but there's like some deep-seated sleaze in a lot of his films. Yeah, yeah, because, you know, he's always like a dapper gentleman. Whenever you very see him in so. interviews and stuff, he's always got the sweater over top of the button-up shirt and the oh, glasses. Yeah. His hair is uh, magnificently cropped. It always it looks is. good. Nice glass. He looks like a professor, like... Uh, yeah. He doesn't look. He doesn't even look half his age. No, he looks good, man. He looks and, good. Uh, he really <laughs> aged well. I mean, uh, yeah, you know, he but he was never afraid to, you know, do drink the work. from an ashtray. Yeah, or maybe he was. Maybe he didn't take yeah. that drink from Luigi. It's probably maybe, maybe it's so one of those things where that's just where his, you know, that's where his his money was made or or whatnot. I mean, after a certain amount of time, I mean, there was still you know, Fellini was still making movies, and some of those other guys were still making movies in the seventies that were art films, but. Mm-hmm. Antonioni and stuff. I think he came over to America and stuff. But I mean, they, we, you know, people are still making art films and stuff. And maybe Martino just—that's not where his heart is. Maybe his heart was always with the exploitation, exploitation. of the genre stuff. But cerebral. I mean, because Scorsese in some ways is always genre. Yeah, absolutely. No, for sure. And this is just sort of cerebral exploitation in some ways. Yeah, the vacuum cleaner started again. So nice. Ooh, ooh. Unfortunately, it's not. What application is the sixty-four thousand yeah. dollar question? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's that Edward Finnick uh, vacuum in the That Margaret office Morton. bacchanalia. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> that bacchanalia of assorted uh, vacuum attachments. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Just don't, oh, this man. one is called Drink from the Ashtray. <laughs> <laughs> we gotta, there's got to be a great Jalo title we can make out of Don't Drink from the Ashtray. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> oh, you're kicking into the next level. You're on another level with that vacuum now, man. Yeah. Like going <laughs> white knuckle ride. Holy magic carpet ride, more like it. Well, um, a few people that has a vacuum cleaner has multiple gears. Yeah. <laughs> um, for his and her pleasure. For his and her pleasure. Yeah. That's right. Get the leaf floor in the. Yeah, you're good to go. Yeah. Um. <laughs> So childish. It's okay. Um, how about that ridiculous daughter daughter song with the slow clap? Uh, oh yeah, it's terrible. It's, it's, it's so ridiculous. I know. I know. It's so terrible. It's that. It's that spot on Italo perception of American hippies. Yes, yeah. it's, it's great. Yes. How about, I'll tell you what. That song is so dreadful. <laughs> it's so it, awful. It, it's so it, it, I, I got to be honest with you. It, it takes like a whole point off the movie for me. <laughs> it totally does. That it's point so... gets dropped, man. Like like a like a Fulci dummy off a cliff. Yeah, I know. That plunges. <laughs> talk that about a, talk about a bacchanalia party stopper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, to, to, to talk about the record scratch at the at that bacchanalia party, man. Yeah, yeah, it's it's really bad. <laughs> oh, it is. It's dreadful. oh man. I remember even watching it this time. I remember thinking, oh god, I still got to go through the song. Parts. <laughs> yeah, it's awful. It's I really fast forwarded through some of it because it's so, it's so dreadful that I don't even want to hear it again. Because they sing it with such conviction, it's just, it's so bad. Oh man! <laughs> and I'll tell you what else is bad. It's, and I always, the, it's the kind of song that gives like Charles Manson a bad name. It totally like, does. Gives, it gives hippie communes like a totally bad name. It it's totally, so bad. Yeah, it really does. Um, and I know you're with me on this, man. When that one hippie chick, they got like a nice white linen tablecloth over the table mm-hmm. when she's like 
grooving and she gets up on that table barefoot and starts dancing on that white linen cloth. Yeah. I would have lost it. Yeah. Well, I, at that point, somebody's drank out of an ashtray, so I don't think anybody cares. At that point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah that's, all bets are off once that ashtray yeah. Once the ashtray drank, gets poured. Once man. you've lost control of the bacchanalia, it's <laughs> all bets are off. <laughs> oh man, in a big oh, way. Man. But yeah, bare feet on the white linen's a bad move. It is. Well, yeah, dancing you know. nude on dancing nude on a table you eat on is a bad move too. <laughs> it if is. it's just you, if it's just you and the other person, it's cool. Okay, when but if it's you groups. and a, a community of people, that's gross. That's disrespectful, man. And and. It's not like she didn't strut around barefoot everywhere. So, yeah. you know how Look, much – that's a biohazard, man. You go to a public urinal and, and your ha- hairs get barefoot. loose. Hairs, yeah, get hairs, loose. Go, hairs get loose, bro. <laughs> they sure do. <laughs> <laughs> they sure do. Looks like Charles Bronson, man. Yeah. That's a pro tip right there from pool. the GGTMC. Another pro tip. A nude, you know, a nude girl from the 70s is dancing on your table. Remember that hairs get loose. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. They find a way. Oh, they do find a way. <laughs> Into your butter spread. It's like, yeah, yeah. It's like a feather in the wind. You just see it slowly drop onto the base and on the bowl, man. Yeah. yeah. Another pro tip. Don't ever eat dinner with pastilli with a fast tray on the table. <laughs> Don't let him be the bartender for the night anywhere. No. He's pouring okay. drinks into everything, everything. Ugh. Cup holders, I mean, you know. Or just don't ever let him make you a long, hey, long island iced tea, sir. Like, no, no, thanks, Luigi. Please. No, I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm driving. None for me. Yeah, if I, if heaven exists and I get to heaven and Luigi's up there, yeah. And he's like, long island iced tea? I'm like, no. No. Nope. No, dude. I saw your movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's right. Um, Pastilli really sweats a lot in this. And how about this? I think part of the reason he sweats is because there's a few scenes where he – wears double sweaters. He wears a sweater over a sweater. And he wears yeah. a cable knit turtleneck with a fur jacket over it. Yeah, that fur jacket's pretty awesome, man. It reminded me of Ben Mendelssohn's in uh, Slow and, West. It's, yes. it's, it's, it's pretty nice. Mm-hmm. It is nice. I like it. Almost Evil Knievel-esque. What isn't nice? Yeah, it is. Almost, it is. You're right. What is not nice, and what is another GGTMC pro tip, is if you're going to have a party or a rendezvous, don't do it at the Rock Quarry. Just this is fact. true. It's not. This good. is true. Yeah, there's nothing. I don't even know what's. Uh, yeah, I don't even. I don't even know why you would do that. Nor do I. It doesn't add anything to the table. <laughs> no, um, it doesn't. <laughs> the uh, some of those parties and rendezvous are all about location, but I don't know about that location. Yeah, that's that's a bad location. Um, one of I think Martino's strengths as a filmmaker, specifically in this genre, is how fast and vicious and stylish and intense the murders are. And even in this, yeah. the murders are few and far between, but they're, they're good. Yeah. They're they, good. They pack a punch. I really like the, violence. Yeah. The, I really like the, the, uh, the scene with the, uh, the first murder, because I like that you can see the, <clears throat> the, one of the things the Italians do so well is, you know, you can see the murderer from a distance Yeah. before the murder takes place. And that's, there's a chilling factor to that. There that totally I don't is. Think like, you know, Americans tried to ape it a little bit with slasher films, but they didn't really – they went more for the jump scare, which is fine. That's that's what that genre is for. But I think what the Italians always did well was they kind of they, – they always had the prelude to the murder, and they always set it up well. And obviously Martino did that again with the swamp scene in Torso. Oh, yeah. Uh, and it's something he does well where he sets – you know, I mean, it's awesome. She sees the, the quote-unquote killer from a distance, 
and then she doesn't. And so now all bets are off, right? So now you don't know what's going to happen. But we do know that somebody's going to go down because we know the genre. And I would say that when you're looking at if we're going to deconstruct the stalking in a scene, you know, we see it through slashers or at the POV. I would almost say that there's more terror in in seeing that killer consistently every so often versus never seeing them. Yes, I, I, I agree. I agree. I, one of the things I do like about Giallo compared to Slash, Slash is what I like about him is the cheese. Yes. But what I like more about the 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 Gialli is more like uh, I guess maybe I could call it the cream, like uh, la creme, as uh, mm. uh, as uh, Christoph Waltz says in uh, Inglorious Bastards. La creme, you know, the cream. Um, and I say that because there's a sweetness, almost a, a cinematic kind of uh, creaminess to being able to see. It sounds sounds so disturbing what I'm saying here. Uh, <laughs> to being able to see something from a distance like that, and of course, that scares me personally. Like seeing something coming at you, or something that you know is dangerous to you at a distance, and then not seeing it, that that petrifies me personally. Oh yeah, that's a fear I have. So yeah, big time. That the Italians do that really well. Whereas the slasher, you know, it's it, it was always about the, the the gimmick or the the weapon or the and we'll, and we'll you know obviously we're gonna we're recording two shows today, but and we haven't reviewed the other one, but we have a slasher we're gonna be talking about that kind of deconstructs that in a weird way. I don't think the director was going for that at the time, but we'll talk about no. that soon. That's true, and I would say too, just as an aside, talking about wonderfully wonderfully done Jolly, the fifth chord might be for my money the best shot Jolly ever. Maybe and there's hey, nice. a, who, dire- who directed that one? Uh, man, I put me on the spot here. Um, yeah. Well, you have a computer. I don't have it. <laughs> fifth chord. Let me look it up. I'm just gonna. Smack. My memory's my memory is uh, well, it's not a bacchanalia. I can tell you that. No, or maybe it is. Sure. There's too much going on. Is it? Uh, oh yes, it's Luigi Bazzoni. I was gonna say uh, Bozzufi, but yeah, uh, Luigi Bazzoni. But uh the thing with that film is it's of course it's Franco Nero, right? But <clears throat> uh what's so great about it is that you get an Ennio Morricone score and uh, Vittorio Storaro shot it. Yes. There's a sequence in a house, a two level house that's got a big glass bay window at night with a kind of a stalking scene. Mm-hmm. Or because the way the house, the architecture of the house is, it almost looks like split screen because the split level of the house. Oh fuck, it's good. It's yeah. one of my favorite sort of underappreciated films in the genre. Um, but anyway, um, I think there's some to touch on sort of uh, the hereditary insanity or, you know, a mental illness uh, being hereditary in this. I mean, this, you know, there's some stuff being said, certainly. Um Wonderfully shot. Uh, it's not a very progressive film in terms of gender equality. I'll say that. Mm-hmm. No, no. But again, I, I don't think it's Martino as much as it is. Uh, the, he's painting a very cer- a specific picture. Yeah, I, I think it's a genre too. In some ways, I mean, yeah. it's, you know, it, it, it's it's a genre film. I don't think it's looking to do. You know, it's not looking to change the world, but it is no. looking to take your five dollars. You know, yes. at the door, make you right? holler. So, um, yeah, I mean, obviously, I don't know how much movies would have cost to go to in Italy in 1972, but I'm just kind of throwing it out there. Five lira. I don't know what what it would be. <laughs> no, I hear you. I don't know that. what it, what is Italian money. Your lira. Is, is lira okay? There. Yeah. Wasn't a total dumbass on that one. No, no, no. Um, but uh, I think that Strindberg actually puts in a fantastic performance in this film with her nerves. 
seemingly getting more frayed as the film goes on as she becomes more abused. It really works well. Um, there's some great sacks with the seduction scene in this. Yeah. So there we go. That's good. Uh, the dirt bike race you talked about. A lot of the scenes, the seduction scenes, and a lot of the sexual type stuff, they're very, it's very erotic stuff. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's well done. How about the buffoon on the motorbike or the dirt bike who says to Fennec, he says, wow, if I won the lottery, I'll get a maid just like you. Yeah. Funny. Yeah, I like that. I, I agree yeah. with you. Absolutely. Um, I think it's Pastilli calls his wife a dirty scumbag. Seems kind of odd. Um, the music during the, there's a scene with some scissors. I think it's edited brilliantly. The music really works well. Um, and one thing I like about this is instead of relying on kind of wacky twists and style, which are fine, it leans more on legitimate psychology or you know, as a viewer, a you know, layman viewer, the psychology is sound and the performances are very good. Yes, I and agree. Ed, Edvidge rocking the Louis Vuitton bag at the back end when she's uh, nice. flying out the door. feels very noir-y to me in some ways. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she got a very classic, uh, very classic kind of cinema look. I think even the setup for this, you, you could rejig this slightly and make it a noir like a very kind yeah. of, you know, with stupid fate playing or, you know, the dumb luck of fate. Uh, and we should say that this film's title came from Strange Vice of Mrs. Ward. Yes. Right? From a letter. There's a note in, in that movie which mm-hmm. says, the, I think, the title of this film, right? Yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, those are all my notes. Nice. All right. Uh, my make or break. Uh, I'll go with the twist. I can't really tell you what scene that is, but it's a great twist. My MVT, I'm going to cheat a little bit. I'm going to say it's the combo of Gastaldi and Martino, because I think this is well done, very tight. Uh, You could almost say everybody, because I think it's uh, well acted as well. But uh, the cops are a little, well, they're not bad, but they're not. They're fine. They're they're in the background, but I think it's by design. Yeah, yeah. I would have liked for them to be a little bit more in the foreground. I'd like for Razumov to have been a little bit more, a little less mysterious, too. (laughs) But that's just because I love Razumov. He, yes. He seemed to play this character quite a bit, though. How about Razmo? <laughs> what was that one we did? Um, Orgasmo or Spasmo? Which one is Spasmo it? Spasmo was the one, yeah. Well, the one with the finally edited uh, family film that the he fan, watched. The <laughs> most wonderfully edited family film. Yeah. <laughs> they had like a Super 8 film, but it was like edited by Umberto Lindsay himself. Oh, yeah. It was amazing. Um, but yeah, I'm going to give it to you know, that, that mixture of the screenplay and the direction. So it's, this is a well made film. Gastaldi and Martino just working well together. It's wonderful. It really is. Uh, and my score is an 8.25. I think it's nice. a wonderful, wonderful film. Nice, nice, nice. And, and uh, you know, if there's a top 10 giallo, this is easily in it for me. Yeah. No, you can, I can get with that. Um, make or break. Uh, I put the kill with the stars. I don't oh, yes, that's a good that's a, yeah, yeah. that's a good one. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that, for me, again, I just I think he does. he has a knack for shooting violence in a in a really physical kind of raw way. My MVT, as much as I could go with Strindberg or Martino's direction, I'm going to go with, I mean, with Gastaldi or I kind of just played my hand. I'm going with Strindberg. I think her performance is fantastic in this film. It is. It's really good. It's really, really good in the film. Uh, I initially had said my score was 7.25. You know, in talking about it, I'm going to go up to 7.5. Nice. Um, solid entry in the genre. Like we said, it's not – doesn't hit all the marks as far as um, – as far as you going for sort of the conventions of the genre, but uh, 
when you do your second pass around, this is a very good one. That's you know quality yep. filmmaking, regardless of genre. Yes, and so. sleazy to a T. <laughs> Big time. Big time. All right, so that. Ooh, I was worried for a second we weren't recording this. Fuck. Ooh, that would have been bad. That would have been terrible. Uh, that is the big show. Uh, we're going to take a short break. Uh, well, we're going to take a long break. Long walk off a short bridge. And uh, we'll see you next time uh, where we're going to be covering Blood Rage from Arrow as well as. Yes. Requiescent. 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 Which is <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, I yes. dreaded, even though I I, I love this. Uh, I'll play my hand now. I've, I've loved that spaghetti western for years. Uh, I have never felt comfortable saying the title of it. <laughs> Requiem's call, which is just a prayer for the dying, right? Yes, yes. It makes sense when we see it. So yeah. it's also called. Uh, what else is it also called? Uh, wait and kill. Wake up. Wake. Wake, wake up. Wake and up kill, and kill. Yeah. Maybe something like that. Something like that. Anyway, yeah. we'll get to that. We will get to that. So uh, with that being said, we will say... Adios. Adios. Thanks for listening. You can find The Gentleman at ggtmc.com and you can email The Gentleman at midnightcinema at gmail.com. 